Let's Roll. This is Counter Charge, your podcast for ranks, flanks, and kings of war. as they delve into the world of Panathor and bring you worldwide coverage of all things Kings of War. Welcome to Countercharge. I'm Corey Walliser. I'm Mike Austin. And I'm Billy Henninger. And I'm Ralph Enough, and we're back again for another Army Review, this time Varinger. Let's start there, guys. <laughs> How do you guys pronounce it? I pron- I'm from the South. I pronounce it Varinger. Let's go around the room. How are you guys pronouncing it? Because our buddy Nick from Texas wants to know. I say Varinger. I say Varinger, and I'll basically say it however Chris Fisher doesn't want me to say it because he gets real <laughs> particular about it. But I say Varinger as well. I say Varinger. That's another Sorry. redneck guy like me, Varinger. That's that's how I say it. I can see it either way. It's not quite the, the controversy that we have with Basalia. Basalia. <laughs> Basalia. As you heard, we have three great guests on. Uh, we got two Masters players and a has-been. I'll let you guys figure <laughs> out who that is. But let's go around the room and maybe introduce yourself. Let's start Corey. Why don't you introduce yourself? Uh, I'm Corey. I play out of the Northeast. I've been to all the Kings of War Masters, and at least four of them I've played Varinger at. I'm around. I'm Mike Rossi's friend. I'm usually propping him up so when he falls over because he has he can't drink uh, anymore, so he gets a little sloppy. So I you know, just babysit him mostly. That's how that works. Everybody needs a handler when they yeah. become an adult, right? Yep. Yeah, so I'll, I'll self-declare uh, I'm the has-been. Um, and if we're name-dropping like Corey is, I get to name-drop Alex Chavez because he's my my go-to buddy, Kings of War. Of course, former Masters player, that player uh, or Masters winner, Alex Chavez. I am a has-been. I have been to several Masters. I did finish third at one, fourth at the other. So I'm at least in the single digits. I'll take that as my 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 credit I get. Uh, and admittedly, don't get out to as many tournaments these days, but am playing Varinger currently. Are you Alex? Alex's handler, or is Alex your handler? Yeah, I think I think we take turns. To be honest, I'm Billy. I've been uh, I play out of the mountain region. I'm kind of the uh, the third wheel of Travis and Adam. That everybody knows. I've been playing Varinger for about two going on three years now. Currently uh, repairing my Varinger army as it goes on. Been the four masters and played Varinger at two of them now. So we've had what five masters total? Is that right? It was Tennessee, Chicago, San Antonio. New York, Dallas, Seattle. We have Seattle. we have at six upcoming Omaha, so that'll be exciting. Awesome. Well, thanks guys for coming on. Obviously, we really enjoy uh, army reviews where we have people that actually play the army and and have had some experience uh, playing them competitively at the higher levels, so that us noobs like myself can actually uh, gleam a little bit of knowledge about how to play these armies. So, but before we get to the army review, hobby update, Corey, what are you working on? What's on your hobby uh, table? I am currently painting a greater fire elemental because I tried been trying to do a an actual like at least primarily mantic army and I got a pretty good deal on a bunch of the fire elementals. I got I won three boxes of tyrants at a tournament, you know, in the <laughs> raffle. And so on my painting de- uh, desk right now is a greater fire elemental because I do like fifty millimeter ba- uh, base monsters, especially ones with surge. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Not as scary as a greater air elemental, but still. And the fact that he can give Rhinosaur Riders the extra inch of charge is a pretty nice bonus. 16-inch charge versus 14 is a big deal. Yes, it certainly yeah. is. So, Mike, you've had thoughts on Salamanders before. Are you still on this 
No, I, my, my fire elemental are, train or what? My thoughts have uh, leaned in the direction of they're still terrible. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm actually, you know, speaking of uh, getting deals, I, I'm in the 3D print world right now. So I'm actually uh, actively printing some Hussars who I'm running as the Northern Alliance, a new list that I'm putting together here for what I think is going to be the future of the beta. Uh, Corey already kind of name dropped the greater air elementals. So trying to come up with some counters for that and maybe a little different list. I know it's a little bit of a disservice to Varenger to go to their, their good good boy uh, brethren over there, the Northern Alliance. But uh, I think they have a couple of mechanics that I want to try out and play through the meta. So right now, 3D printing some some Northern Alliance stuff. I'm currently repairing my Varanger army from the last year of traveling everywhere and flying to Seattle. But otherwise, I've been trying to find my next army, what I want to do. And lately, I've been playtesting quite a bit of Dryden Realm. So. And I'm assuming you're super excited about Masters being in Omaha next year. Yeah, I don't have to plan anything. It'll be nice. You just show up and Tim and Adam and, and, and Travis all take care of everything. Yeah. Behind the scenes. Yeah. That's I get a little drink and sleep wherever I fall. That's awesome. Let's get into this army review. Nick Brooks asks, what's the elevator pitch for playing Varanger? What makes them unique to Kings of War? Corey, you want to start us off with that for that question? I don't know if they're uh, fully unique, but they certainly are more of the hammer to the face armies. They really are aggressive, and that's how I like to play. Usually, if I'm doing well, uh, the majority of my army is on your side of the table. So if you really do like, you know, going after it, not playing defensively as much, but really being able to push your models around, Varenger is a is a nice choice. We we smash face. That's a long elevator ride. <laughs> <laughs> they got more time on their hands in the winter to think about things. Yeah, not going anywhere. So to me, to me, they're just the iconic badass bad guys you, you want the mean big boys doing bad things that is very good for you well you guys kind of stole my uh my deal of uh it's just it's just all hammers it's it's kind of nice to it doesn't matter what it is that you're getting in combat with it it all has the ability to pop something Dave Fanning asks, what do Varanger do better than Northern Alliance you're talking about bad guys versus good guys which is kind of weird that you have a theme list coming off of a good guys that's bad guy you know then it's not because Jarvis is weird ass Honestly, I mean, you, you, you take the few units that we're going to get into one by one, and it really does separate between Mounted Suns, Draugr, Magus Conclaves, and my, my favorite individual of all time we'll talk about later. You, you take a few key units that really makes up what a lot of us probably see as the core of uh, Varenger, and I almost forget that they're even related in a way because they are so different, in my opinion. Both have so, you know, obviously some shared units, but they, they have way different flavor altogether. Kind of piggybacking off of uh, off of that is they have they share the units and everything, but I don't ever find myself really dabbling in them. They got they got their own of uh, going off of mountain suns that kind of stuff. Their own choices that I tend to go through to make my core of my army and everything. Cheap unit strength like Draugr are just you know I can field a lot of unit strength relatively cheaply, and the Northlands don't have that. Well, let's get in and talk about the the background. Nicholas McAlonis asks, what else can Mantic do to make their own unique culture in the lore and the list of the table and not just be warriors of chaos? I, I would, I'll start, I, you know, I really like the the lore. I like the, you know, the, the multiple faces of Corgan and stuff. I think there's some pretty cool stuff there. Billy, you want to maybe tackle this question? One thing that could be uh, given a more of a, I'll explain it, a not heavy armored or whatever kind of, I don't want to piggyback off of what's already going to be talked about, but like Reavers, giving something kind of like that to be able to, a lot of attacks, light defense that can put out a hurt for cheap, 
Don't get me started on fluff. I don't even. I didn't even know there is fluff in this game, especially <laughs> I, for a theme army, right? Like, I'll, I'll, I'll be completely honest. Multiple faces of Corgan. This is the first I've ever heard that in my entire life. I'm sorry, but that's just the truth. Corey, save us. <laughs> so yeah, it's a it's a cool concept. It very much, obviously, uh, Norse in its overall start off, and then you have wandering around. They found or were found by an old god. Um, and he kind of brought them up, rose them, kind of forged them into what he wanted them to be. And they constantly were raiding down and fighting with the, you know, the disdain for the Celestials and the, or the Celestines. And we're just like, yeah, that's not for us. Um, and then the rift happened, up comes uh, the Abyss and the Wicked Ones. And that's when Corrigan really was like, no, 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 this is, this is our, this is our place. We're going to be the bad guys on the block. And that's the, hence the reason why that the Varengar hate anything to do with the abyss. Yeah. And he sent waves and waves and waves down through the ogre lands. And they just beat the crap out of all the abyss, threw them back in there in the scar and you know, went back and we're like, all right, we beat your ass. Now we can go back about our business. It's interesting. You mentioned that. Cause I think that's, Back to Nicholas's question about why, how could they not be Warriors of Chaos? Well, in Games Workshop lore, Warriors of Chaos, Corn, Zeech, all of the gods, they were kind of aligned together and they would make use of the benefits that the gods would give them. Whereas here, what we're saying is the the, the classical demons in in, in uh, Panathor and these Joes do not get along and no. they are not friends and they are not allies. So I, I think it's interesting that you've actually got two big baddies uh, in Panathor. So that, that that's cool. We'll keep plugging along. I mean, let's be honest. If you're playing Varanger, you're probably not in it for the fluff. I'll take your word for it. I'll take your yeah. word for it. Right? Yeah. You're, you're, but, you're hardcore, right? But, it's all about the I alpha mean, strike. Clutch in the face. Corey really got me intrigued, and now I feel like I might go read some of this, maybe. Why don't we go around the room, and what's your motivation for playing this army? Let's start with Mike. Billy, Billy kind of put it earlier. Uh, hammers, that's why. If you like hammers, <laughs> we got a lot of them. You get all the big badass things that you want in uh, in playing the game. I mean, to me, literally the reason that I put this army together is hordes of Frostfang Riders. I wanted to roll 30 dice with Crush 2. It's that simple. I just wanted to roll 30 dice every time I attacked somebody. And maybe 60 if I get a flank with them. And maybe 90 if I get a rear. I just want to roll lots of dice that do lots of damage. And this army leaves you no shortages of when and where to do it between the different units. They have so many badass things. It's, it's just that straightforward. That's my that's my pure motivation. I'm playing them. Aggression, aggression, aggression. I want to kill things. And so I'm totally fine with at the end of the game if I have two units left and you have one or none, then yay, we played a good game. Yeah, basically the, the aggression of the army, seeing my opponent's face when turn two, they're either not getting out of their deployment zone or I'm charging them and taking units off and they have to regroup on what their plan was from the start of the game. Garrett asks, why would I want to play Varanger over Northern Alliance? Trolls and Huskarls make up the bulk of my models at the moment, but is it really worth dropping my other stuff for horses? Who wants to take that? I will. Yes. There's your answer. <laughs> speed. Speed's too important. You, you, anybody that uh, plays this game knows speed is probably the most important mechanic of the game. And having a speed five unit 
trading across the board versus a speed eight unit makes a huge difference. So I get it. If you ran, you know, whatever we want to call chaos back in the old day, where's your case, whatever it was that you're running, then you want to try to place it into the King's world realm. Now, uh, infantry was popular then. Um, but at some point you're going to want to, you know, be a little bit more competitive. And to me, that means getting away from infantry and getting some speed on the board. I agree with everything that Mike said. He's, come to the, come he's to the spot on. Side. That's right. Oh, it looks, looks like the has been's not a has been anymore there. <laughs> Mike, you obviously started, you, you mentioned 3D printing. Guys, give me a sense of what model range you are using. I mean, obviously there's the GW range is, is an obvious crossover, but what other options do we have? Avatars of War has, have a bunch of you know GW kind of clones, um, but they uh, make some really nice models. And there are a boatload of historical models that have do Judes and Saxons and, and anything like that that fit the bill very nicely. And 3D printing is, I mean, you can make anything you want. Billy, how about you? Mine was more of a, uh, my whole army. The guys have seen it have been a dinosaur themed army. So I 3D printed a lot of the stuff that I have and uh, in a mix with uh, some of the old GW uh, cold one nights and everything. And I actually have a little bit of a probably unique take on on mine. I am using Games Workshop models, although it's a combination of Stormcast Eternals and Warriors of Chaos Marauders, basically. Kind of a unique mix of good guys and bad guys to put the army on the board. So that's what I'm using currently. I already mentioned with Northern Alliance, I'm going a little different route, 3D printing it. But what I've used as Varinger is is Games Workshop models, albeit not the, the old Warriors of Chaos. It's just kind of a little different spin on it. So Mark Zielinski asks, what model ranges are your favorites to represent the army on the tabletop? We kind of touched on that. So what I would ask you guys, give me one unit in the Varnager list and give me how you've modeled that unit and why is your favorite? My Dire Fangs, which is what Frost Fangs used to be called. I uh, use the Forge World Plague Toads. <laughs> and so I don't actually have uh, riders on them, but they are just big because all my uh, army is very nurgly. You know, the pestilence and, and all that stuff. So um, they are big and they they pop across the, you know, the table and they're just, they look big and, and nasty. Those models are from the Tarmacrin? What's that? Yeah. The book? Yeah. 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 Right right yeah. before the end times, it was a functional yeah. book. There yeah. were some crazy looking models yeah. in that range. And I got three of those. And the other three are just uh, from a Polish company that I cannot remember where I got them from. But. They looked, they fit in perfectly with, with those. So I actually have six different models. So it looks that's awesome. It's a nice looking unit. How about you, Billy? What's your favorite unit, and and how are we modeled it? Um, not necessarily my favorite unit, but probably my favorite models from what I have is the uh, the horse raiders. So I model them with the uh, the raptor riders, just showing the speed and nimble of what the unit has. And then they've also got throwing spears that show the uh, the short bows for them. But uh, just the model range for that, I absolutely love how how it turned out. And that's a 3D printed? Yep. And what range of 3D printing is that? It's called Print by print by Minis. Mike, same question to you. Yeah, so for my Frost Fangs, which again are kind of my, my pride and joy, I use the Games Workshop Stormcast Eternals. They're like Vanguard Palidors, I believe. So they're these like cockatrice-looking animals with like giant armored dudes on top. They're way too big, <laughs> but that's kind of the fun of it. Four on a base spills out over a large cavalry base. Um, but that's kind of why I think it's great. It embodies 30 attacks and you, you can't miss them. You know, they're, they're big white creatures flying across the board. I'd say that's probably my favorite unit. Well, let's get into some special rules. Obviously, we've already alluded to that 
The Varnagar are a theme list of Northern Alliance, but these guys are evil. And they have a special rule, Snow Fox. Mike, you want to take us through the special rule? Yeah, so Snow Fox is very short and simple. Uh, if you take a Snow Fox, you get plus one attack. It's prevalent on some of their characters, uh, not really a unit special rule. I will take a, a moment here to kind of do a little throwback to Varinger of, of, of days past when their special rule was having better nerve. And it's it's one that I really wish stuck around more than Snow Fox, as convenient as an extra attack is on Lords on Frostfangs and stuff. As we walk through units here, there's there's kind of a constant uh, with this army, and that is nerve values and getting wavered and not having fearless units. So Snow Fox is cute and everything, but uh, RIP to the old school. And that was a special, that army special upgrade. This might be the only army with two specials. We have an army upgrade, like the Otter or whatever. That's mm-hmm. the Snow Fox. The army special wide rule is just we can't ally with anything that Cold hatred. Anything, yeah, anything yeah. to do with it. The Varinger don't really have an army-wide special rule. They have an upgrade that, that you know, some of the special units can upgrade take. that some of the units can take, but there is no special rule. There's no elite. There's no vicious. There's no anything like that. We just, yeah, that's not. I love the yeah. fact, though, you know, army special rule, cold hatred. Corrigan's extreme hatred of the Abyss means the Varinger armies cannot ally with the following armies. Abyssal Dwarves, Force of the Abyss, or Twilight Kin. If you're using allies, you're doing it wrong anyways. Sorry. Well, guys, I think it's time to jump into the units. So let's start with infantry. We've got human clansmen, speed five, melee four, defense four. They come in troop regiment and horde, 9, 11, 13, 15, 20, 22, nerve, 10, 12, 25, and then 81, 20, 200. And they've got crushing strength one and wild charge one. And they have an up, an, a, a few options. One is upgrade to Norbic clansmen, increasing defense to five plus for 10, 15, or 25. And exchange shields for two-handed weapons, lowering defense to three, but gaining crushing strength two. Talk to me about human clansmen. Yeah, so I'll, I'll jump right in. I mean, they're they're not a terrible unit on paper. You know, they're just not one of their better options. They're kind of mid-range. They're not really great at anything. I will give respect to the the changes where you can take that Norbic clansman uh, and up their defense to five, be able to put something a little tougher on the table for anybody that didn't like them before. They were only defense four, and that upgrade, I think, was a, at least the right move. I personally still don't think that they really have a place in the army when you, you know, every point's important. Obviously, you need to really min-max everything you have, and these guys just generally don't make the cut, in my opinion. If you want to take them, if you have the unit for them, they're fine. I personally go the defense five option and just keep them as tough as you can and get them in the way. They're a lot of unit strength. They're a decent amount of nerve. Fairly decent bang for your buck, and uh, built-in crush is nice, but they just generally, in my opinion, don't make the cut. Agreed. I have a hard time getting them in over uh, some of the other options that we'll be going over with the point values, like you said. Yeah, Keith Connery does ask, what can be done to make infantry options besides Draugr, Night Raiders, and Huskarls worth taking? What do they need to be, hey, I can take these guys. These guys are viable. Unfortunately, I think it is a, uh, in general, like, issue with Kings of War in, you know, just overall. I don't think infantry, standard infantry, brings enough pop and and does enough for you to take that over other units. I think you need unit strength, you need this, but I can get unit strength in other places with better hitting power, better staying power. I just think that in general, standard infantry are just not good enough to want to take. You take it because you you can, you know, to theme maybe or whatever, but like optimally, regular infantry just are not where it's at. Yeah, I think it's it's interesting because there's really not that much distinction between infantry and, and cavalry or large cavalry, large uh, infantry or whatever. 
infantry just doesn't really get anything by the by the book, like by the numbers. You know, all these units are calculated and and you know these these kind of uh, you know set plans and set uh, formulas, and there is no real like additive value for infantry where there maybe should be. Whether it's you know give them an extra tick of of nerve give them something to help with waivers, give, give them something. But you have a lot of times have infantry and cav units that are almost identical in profiles, except the infantry have speed five, the cav have speed eight, and it, it's almost a wash on the price. And and you, you, you every time are going to pick speed, going back to somebody's question earlier, Garrett, I think speed is king, and there needs to be more to entice you into using infantry and and this is one of those units it's it's a prime example of hey it's just not good enough sorry well and i think you hit on the head just give them some more nerve mm-hmm. give them something because ultimately infantry are going to get hit first right you're yep. hardly ever going to take it the first drop on these guys yep. with these guys so if you're taking the first punch you need something else because you're counter punching at that point so, yeah right. and, and nerve would be great well let's talk about reavers infantry speed six uh melee four defense three 20 attacks, dash 13 nerve for the troop regiments. 25 attacks, dash 17 for the nerve for 210 points. They have Crush 1, Thunder 1, Wild Charge D3, and you can uh, upgrade uh, with the Mask of the Reaper, gaining Life Leech 2, hence that Mask of the Reaper thing Mike was a uh, face of Corgan. Life Leech 2 for 5 or 10 points. Uh, they are barbarians. They are they do have Bloodbound, and they're human. Uh, I, they're, they die so very quickly and they're melee four defense three uh no yeah no. they're berserkers without hitting on threes yes right I like, want yeah. them that, to that's be the so problem good. i think yeah. if they hit on threes you might be able Great. to justify screening them grant wyatt says please for the love of all things unholy give me a reason to play reavers no there is I, none yeah uh, here's your reason because you want to that's the reason right that you want to be a fluff guy you yeah, yeah. You, you think they're right. cool they they are a lot like many berserkers in the game they are, are they're traps they they look good on paper they just aren't effective that speed six wild charge d3 everybody goes oh 15 inch charge that's great but 15 only better than 14 and there's not a lot of units with 14 speed so you might as well be speed six or speed you know or charge 13 that 15 doesn't really get you anywhere and then you already touched on melee four high risk it's liability you get hindered too easily you're dropping down to fives then you lose that thunderous defense three at least the dwarf uh, berserkers have defense four and are 30 points cheaper these guys are too expensive they don't do enough they just aren't good if you like them play them but they're not good instead of the life leash two which is not enough to make a difference if you would take mask of the deceiver and make them stealthy then maybe we we can have a conversation cephas three is still rough (laughs) yeah here's the thing there are other defense three units that have these berserker type profiles but those hit on threes and they come in hordes Right, and then you're talking like dash twenty two. So I can, I can like with the kingdoms of men, I can get those guys there, right? At least get one one turn where they're gonna punch dash seventeen defense three. I would think they would melt, you know. They do, and two hundred ten points for defense three dash seventeen. I mean, you you get a couple lightning bolts and they're gone. Well, it's also interesting. They're only melee four, but yet they have crushing strength thunder one. You gotta get them there, and you gotta hit first. Yeah. So you're paying for something you might not even get to use. And I'm just going back to Berserkers and the Kingdoms of Endless are 240 for a horde. Yep. Yeah. Right yep. now, only five more attacks, but they hit on threes. So they, with only yep. crushing strength one. So I don't know. If these it's came a as a horde, maybe. But they'd have to know. be like to what? 
250, 260 points. Probably. Yeah. If yeah. it scales, no, thank you. That's yeah. Yeah, they, they just they just don't line up. I mean, again, the dwarf berserkers are are as good as they can get because they have they have Slayer D six, they have melee three, they have defense four. They might not be melee three, but but they're one hundred five points. You could take for a troop. They're, you can at least get your value from them. These you're never going to get value, and it got to help you if you put the upgrade on them. It's doing you nothing, just making them more expensive. And if anybody says they'll oh, give them items. They're already so expensive. They, they they just are not efficient. They they just don't have a place in a winning army. I know you guys like Draugr, so who wants to take us for those? I'll go ahead and I'll go ahead and take Draugr. Uh Draugr, so they uh speed four, uh melee fives, defense three, uh regiments, uh twelve attacks at dash fourteen, thirty-five points. Ord is twenty-five attacks, dash twenty-one and hundred and twenty-five points. And Legion is 30 attacks at dash 27 and 180 points. They have Iron Resolve and Wild Charge D3. And these are what I call my vacuums. They are the heart and soul of basically my army that isn't a hammer. They win me many, many scenarios. How, how ironic that the guy who plays with Adam Battle all the time with, with all the zombies uh, or scarecrows, right? This is yep. your this is your this is your tar pit unit. I, I yep. guess my question to you guys. Do you ever take Legion, or is it just is the Horde the sweet spot? I honestly just take regiments. I take two regiments because then I can attack both sides of the board. I don't. I'm not stuck on a certain area where they can go. I can hide them if I need to. I can maneuver them around to pick up tokens and run away. I run them in regiments as well. Like it gives me more maneuverability, and I can siphon off whatever my magus is. Is I can kind of siphon off wounds to nearby. Uh, drug our regiments. Yeah, I'm definitely a fan of regiments for the most part. I do think there's a place for for hordes. Um, they're still pretty efficient, but the efficiency of the regiments just absolutely insane. 75 points for dash 14. The you know two unit strength is amazing. They have um, they have unlocks. They have that iron resolve to really help them. You know get little wounds back here and there. Honestly. Sometimes they, I, I wish they would die sooner. So when you have red uh, hordes, you know that that kind of slows it down. And sometimes you're going just, just get out of the way, die, please. Regiments are a nice balance point. Um, they're not taking up too much space. But again, you have. I think there's practical uses for hordes. Legions, I I can't justify for a unit that's they're they're remarkably bad. So 180 points for a unit that's remarkably bad is starting to push the scales a little too far, even for me. Um, but I think regiments are the best. Hordes are certainly viable still. And I guess this is the reason why Reavers are not taken at all, right? Because I mean they're both defense three. Dragger hit a little bit, you know, on fives instead of fours. But draggers are so cheap. 75 points. Yeah. Yeah. 75 points versus 210 points. Yeah. Now I know it's one unit string less, but you're, these guys aren't there for their hitting prowess, right? They're there to soak up damage and, and right. sit on tokens. Yes. That's exactly what they do. They're so worthless that if your opponent actually gives them a, a, a brief thought, you already have the advantage. If they even have to think about killing them, they're going, Oh, I just wasted my time. And then you go, oh, yeah, yeah, you did, but I'm going to make you deal with them anyways. Right. Well, that's it for infantry. Let's get into heavy infantry. Who wants to take us through Huskarls? So they are heavy infantry. Um, they come in a troop and regiment. Troop with 15 attacks, 11, 13 there for 145 points. Regiment in 20 attacks, 15, 17 for 225 points. Their speed, 5 with wild charge, 1. So that charge range of 11. Their melee, 3 with all those attacks. They are crushed, 2. And a nice little perk is they do have fury as well to try to give them something a little extra. 
personally, I, I've already kind of talked about the speed is so important. I think these guys are just a little too slow. You, you pit them against, um, you know, some of their other in, infantry counterparts like um, Elves, yeah. Ratkin. A lot of them are speed six. Speed six. Yeah, that that wild charge one just doesn't do quite enough for you. I mean, they hit they hit like a truck. There's no doubt, um, especially for a small small base size like that. If you can deliver them clean, you're gonna have a good time. But that's really hard to do when you're taking three turns, four turns to get across the board and actually engage with something. Um, they're, I think they're very enticing for somebody that's new, especially if you're trying to bring over an army from from Warhammer. Because um, hey. There's your chosen right there for some badass dudes, but they, they just don't quite hit the mark in, in the, the relative meta. It's like you said, if, if you can deliver them, they're going to put out the hurt. They're, they're walking ball of attacks. They're really, really good, but just having to spend the extra points to be able to get them there, it's uh, it's taxing after a little while. I, I do run one regiment on and off, and 99% of the time I run them with a meat of madness. Um, just because they're built in wild charge street, so at least they're now charging the same distance as those other speed six hammer and heavy infantry and infantry units. Um, but I do have to pay that ten points to get that to on them in order to make that happen. You guys ever take a troop with these guys? I mean, I, I look at it, and go fifteen attacks, eleven, thirteen, defense five. You're still getting, you know, you're getting almost all the attacks of a regiment, but eleven, thirteen. Fury's nice, but you still worry about. You know, a waiver from shooting. It doesn't take much to waiver them on shooting. I mean, they could take three wounds from something light and get wavered pretty easily. It's just such a liability. You know, wavering is is the problem in the game. Um, you can't do anything about it, and that's just too risky, in my opinion. Agreed. If, if you guys take regiments, what are you putting on them? So if if it was anything, it would be meat and madness. Yeah, I kind of like the idea of haste on them. It's a little extra beyond that, so you get that thirteen inches opposed to matching at a twelve. Um, Talk more about it with another unit here, but I think a 13-inch charge is a is a world of difference, um, and and that could give them a little extra. But you know, back in the old days, some caterpillar might be nice, but not so much these days. But they, they just need to get to combat. Anything to get them there is is what's going to do you value. The couple of recent games I play with them, if you using them as a second line of attack, like after after horses and that kind of stuff, it's been pretty pretty good. But still, it's, yeah, it's a lot I imagine of they clean up pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's talk about ranged infantry, uh, Night Raiders, Speed 5, Malay 4, Range 4, Defense 3. They come in troops and a regiment, uh, 1 and 2 unit strength, 10 and 12 attacks, 9, 11, 13, 15, and 105 and 140. And they have all the special rules. <laughs> they have Pathfinder, Stealthy, Thunderous Charge 1, Throwing Axes, 12-inch range, Piercing 1, Steady Aim. And they have options to exchange Throwing Axes for bows for 24 inches for free. Wolf Handlers, three. So I guess you could do three units with Wolf Handlers. Is right. that what that means? Yeah. Right. So Gain Aura, Vicious Malay, Tundra Wolf only, and Scout for 15 points. I've run these a couple times when I was trying to do a, th- a Tundra Wolf theme deal, and it uh, burned and perished and didn't work so well in my, uh, in my favor. Hey, well, that's how you learn, right? You try it, and you get a viscerate yeah. on the table. That's yep. uh, the, the school of hard knocks. Does anybody else run these guys? I've tried a number of times and I I had the same. I'm like, yep, they're like, I'm like, oh, maybe a, a little bit of shooting, a little bit, you know, they they could come in and and maybe help the Tundra Wolves because I do like Tundra Wolves. I'm like, oh, maybe. And no, nope, nope. It just either I don't know how to work use them, which is 100% an option, <laughs> or they're just in in the army list. They don't uh, fit a role uh, and are not survivable enough. Yeah, I, I think they they can work with an with an army that's built around it, but it does kind of 
contradict what we've been talking about, which is move fast, cross the board, hit hard, right? These are not built for an army like that, but they are, they're budget glade stalker. I mean, there's the range for them, lay for, they have Pathfinder, they have Stealthy. To me, the, the Wolf Handler aura, it's not about the Thunderwolves. I don't think that makes them good. It's the Scout that can make them good. Bump them up to 155 points, and now you're drastically still cheaper than Glade Stalker. And you do have Stealthy, which is good in the, the mirror against other Glade Stalkers. They, they are a bargain for that. They do have the 12 attacks. They don't have the Elite for the range, which is kind of the downside, but they do have Thunders. And that aura... Remember, they do get their own aura as well, so they become vicious in melee with Thunder One and Pathfinder. So, I think they have they have purpose, but you almost need to build the army around them. If you just kind of plug them into you know all these other hammers and Draugr and stuff that we're talking about, I don't think they're going to work. We'll talk about lists later, but I do have a list that that I think fields them appropriately. Personally, do you guys always use throwing axes, or do you upgrade? Is it a must oh, no. to upgrade the bows? Bows, bows, bows. bows. Yeah, bows. bows. There's some interesting things, but you know, with Thunder Wolves being a regular, also it's not like you can really build an army around thunder wolves i mean it's difficult so but as you said the scout the scout's a pretty good deal for 15 points all right well this is the unit that over the years has given many a player a lot of consternation and bitching on fanatics and have been nerfed a couple times so who wants to take us through the the uh, large infantry fallen you can take regiments or hordes 155 or 255 18 attacks uh, nine or 18 attacks 12-14 nerve for the regiment, a 15-17 nerve for the horde, speed 8, melee 3, defense 5. They have crushing strength 1, iron resolve, nimble, pathfinder. They are also bloodbound. I like these guys a lot. Built-in pathfinder, especially now that there's no caterpillar, sure. is huge. I usually take a, a horde, and I've been running uh, regiments, and I'm really enjoying um, some success with regiments. Um because they stick around enough, they get in the way, they're fast enough, and they're throwing, you know, 18 attacks if you get a flank. With Crush 1, it's not amazing, but it's good quality attacks with melee 3. Um, and the Pathfinder and Nimble to get them in places where you don't want them in. So I, it's hard to not, like, Fallen. I don't like him. <laughs> He's better than me. It's okay. But I, here's what I find with the Fallen is every time I want to make them work, I, I, I go through this rotation of what items they need because I feel like they need like three items, like crush one, just not enough. I'd really like to get them up to crush two speed eight, just not enough. I'd really like them to have some more distance over calf. Uh, and then you have like, Oh, well they, they wave around a 15. I feel like I need to give them a headstrong or fury or stain stone. There's like those three facets are always frustrating me. And I find myself paying for 255 points plus an item they get. I mean, they're nearing 300 points. And then nothing irks me more than somebody dropping a size two unit in front of me. And I go, well, I can't see. Dude, size two is just such a liability. Obviously, if things are bigger. Yeah, the the height two? Yeah. yeah. The height yeah, two. We should say, is, they're height two, right? They Which are is two, yep. very and, different than most. Because I mean, the, fl the fluff on these guys are, they are like fallen gargoyles, right? That have been brought back. Yes. That is what the fluff is, yeah. Yeah, and I, I just I get blocked by gargoyles, <laughs> you <Right>. know. <laughs> I just suddenly can't see, and that that part's the probably the most frustrating to me is that they just can't see things when I want them to. They are good. Don't get me wrong; they are good, but I just they're not my favorite. I don't like them. I wonder too. You know, you said something interesting. You know, they're only, they with Pathfinder and Nimble and the Speed Eight. They're going to get there. They're going to hit on threes. That's all great. But with Crushing Strength One, 
if that's your alpha delivery, it's like, well, you're crushing strength one. So are you going to bounce? And then also I wonder like in the regiment, are you able to make use of the, the nimble because, because your base is so long. Are you really, I don't know you guys. I mean, if you are using them, I know Corey, you said you use the regiment. Are you guys most regiments or hordes or I, I usually run one horde and like one or two regiments. The horde does what the horde does. I use the regiment as a little bit like thick chaff, move them up. And with the nimble, they do can get in the way. If I can put one of the uh, those guys in front of one of your hammers, you have to deal with them, and then I can follow up with knights or you know one of my hammers. Then I'm okay with that, and they're really good with that nimble and and you know high speed to get in the way, and a lot of times they're surprisingly resilient. They um, with the the regiment nerve, they'll they'll stick around um, a little bit longer than say the snow foxes. What other access do you guys have to Pathfinder that's built into the list? Is this the only unit, or you got yeah. other options? Yeah. So I mean, I think with well, maybe snow with snow foxes, snow foxes, foxes. and then right. you, got, you got tons of Strider throughout the army too. We do, right? Yeah. Okay. So I guess that's what I'm wondering though is with the changes of the book, no, no, no caterpillar anymore. Are these going to see more play? I I personally really like the fallen. I. I use them. I actually use the height to my advantage and hide them behind my stuff to get them up the board and then allow me to get consistent flanks because you're worried about what's in front of you. Like I said, I, I do spend the points for British strength to make them crush too, but it is 300 points in pricey, but it's still. Man, that's that's a, that's 285 points. You're like 20 points off a dragon at that point. Ah. But yeah. you got 18 attacks hitting on threes with Pathfinder, so. Yep. And crush two at that point. So it's a pretty solid unit. And also part of it is the fact that I play in the Northeast and we have very big pieces of terrain in the Northeast. <laughs> so Pathfinder is really kind of important. Somebody once told me that you either have to be the special rules to get through the terrain or you got to be fast enough to get around it. True. So Chase Thompson, you kind of already touched on, he asked our fallen worth the price. And if so, what role do they fill in your list? Sounds like we kind of covered it. Mike, I mean, you, you don't like him at all. Corey and, and uh, Billy are, are more high on them. Yeah, I don't want to say I don't like them at all. I just I just think for their price, you can get other other things that do the job, and they're just they're not quite as effective as I'd really like them to be. Make them speed nine, and I'd take them. Um, it's just they, they seem just a little too slow most of the time, and uh, you know I'm always looking for what item is going to be best on them, and it's just it's never really made the the math work for me. Is this a case of uh, th- this is a unit that has too many special rules? <laughs> that that's why they cost two fifty five. Like, do they really need iron resolve? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I feel like their point cost hasn't changed despite them getting like what three nerfs over the years. Yeah, they, they used to be pretty. So, and we used to they were like crush one, thunder one, and they were sixteen, eighteen. Then they were good, <laughs> but <laughs> not a, not so much these days. Let's jump in and talk about Monsters Infantry. So, Monsters Infantry, height 3, come in a regiment with 2 units strength, 9 attacks, 12, 15, nerve, and 130 points. And they come in a horde, 3 units strength, 18 attacks, 15, 18, at 220 points. They are speed 6 with a wild charge 1. They're melee 4. They are defense 5. They do come with crush 2 with regen. They're vicious in melee. And the aforementioned wild charge 1. Now, this is a unit that I get behind instead of Fallen, more often than not. Um, I think these guys are kind of fly under the radar. Maybe not. Maybe I just don't see enough people playing them. But 18 Nerve is better than most of our other hammers. Uh, they have Regen, which helps them stick around. 
they hit like a truck with Crush 2 and Vicious. And a lot of people are really surprised when they're hitting it just as hard as uh, Obsidian Golems. That Wild Charge 1 with Speed 6 gives them that 13-inch, which I really like, especially from a scenario standpoint. Being able to threaten those tokens on turn 1, if somebody wants to run out and grab one, I'm guaranteed to be able to charge them. And that's very important to me, especially for a unit that hits this hard and does have some resiliency as well. I personally like to take the uh, Chalice of Wrath on them to make them headstrong. So get them as close to being a Fearless 18 as I can. Keep them swinging while they're regenning back and and just try to make them last. But I think these guys definitely uh, are sleepers that a lot of people don't give enough attention to. Do we uh, use the Staying Stone on them? Because, I mean, they got the troll thing, right, with the three-point gap between Waver and Route. Do you guys need to move that 15 to a 16 or? I like Headstrong. I like Child of Rats together. Because you can always roll a three, right, Mike? You can always roll a three. Yeah, (laughs) with my dice. (laughs) Just microwave them a little bit. That's right. I I use the the Staying Stone quite a bit if I'm tight on points. But almost never without the Staying Stone. Unless I put Wrath or uh, Headstrong on them. I mean, obviously, these are monstrous infantry. That's a, so we're looking at 150 wide. So they're pretty. They've got a lot of width and in, in height three. This would be a great unit to put stuff behind, right? Like yes. these guys are defense five with regen five. I treat my uh, snow trolls like uh, anvil with teeth. They can take a, a good solid charge, and then the hit back does terrible things to most most units. They're just a solid, hard to move, hard to shift. Give them a bunch of tokens. They're totally fine with holding tokens and and just sticking around. I honestly have never played them. I'm one of them that's uh, probably overlooked them and not uh, looked it up into them. Give them a look. 18 nerve is to 18 nerve. I might have fallen into the fallen trap of uh, ooh, this looks good. And that's I mean, I literally traded out the fallen, put these guys in, and couldn't have been happier. I mean, that was that was literally the, the trade I made. And even I think at first I was running caterpillar on them. You know, they became a 240 point unit. They're still cheaper than Fallen with Brew by a, a significant amount. They actually hit harder, and they lasted longer. Sure, they're not quite as fast, but you know, with the amount of chaff we have access to, you know, I can usually get things in the way perfectly fine. It's, it, that delivery system is is already built in with the rest of the army. So these guys come in fresh and hit something in the front, and a 13-inch charge is nothing to, to, to balk at. They were a perfect swap out for me from Fallen over to the Trolls. Awesome. Well, let's get into some cavalry. We'll start with one of the units from the Northern Alliance, Tundra Wolves. They're irregular. Uh, speed 9, Malay 3, Defense 4, Height 2, which is interesting for, you know, I, I'm a big fan of multiple heights in my list, multiple uh, speeds, just to give people lots of, you know, give lots of options. They come in Trooper Regiment, unit strength 1 or 3, 9, 18 attacks, 10, 12, 13, 15 nerve, and 115 or 180. They are nimble, and they have Thunderous Charge 1. We talked about uh, one of the things you can get the, the benefit of the, the Night Raiders. You can give them Vicious. But I don't know. I mean, talk to me about Tundra Wolves. Are, are you guys using these guys? Times that I've tried to use them, either I'm playing them wrong or or what. They just seem to die before I can make use of them. Yeah, they're, I, I think we're all waiting for any of the other ones who actually like them to say something before we badmouth them. They, they, they seem like they should be good. I think everybody who's tried to fit them into a list and gone, I want to make these work. They just don't, you know, they're, they're outranged by anything flying and they're too soft to to take a hit from, from literally anything. I mean, they waver on a 13. They are nimble, which is nice. And they're speed. I mean, they're fast. They just aren't punching hard enough with just Thunder 1. They, they don't have built-in Pathfinder, so they're going to lose it if they hit any terrain. Um, and certainly now that Caterpillar's gone, you, you 
you're going to be hard pressed to find a good option for them. Um, and especially you throw Strider on it. I mean, you're talking about a 200 point unit, this mm -hmm. defense four and 13, 15. It's just, I think a lot of people have really wanted these to work. I'm assuming there's listeners thinking that right now going, oh, I want these to work. I have them in my list. They, they just aren't great. Um, they're cute. What do they need, Mike? Do they need Thunder Charge 2? I think they need Pathfinder. <laughs> they yeah. need Pathfinder. They, they need some, yeah. The Thunder uh, Charge, mean, like, like you said, it just it disappears. I find myself always catching some piece of terrain trying to get into combat with them, and it just, the Thunder Charge means nothing at that point in time. Yeah. In in the olden days, I would run troops of them before we had Snow Foxes yeah. to, to be chaff and, and things, but now with the option of Snow Foxes, there's they don't they're entirely too expensive for chaff yep. and they're just yeah there's no reason to to take them I, I don't think all right billy i know i've played you i know you love the horse raiders so let's talk yep. about the horse raiders i love the horse raiders um in the uh in the formation but i'm sure we'll get there but uh uh they are troops you got a choice of a troop they have seven attacks uh 10 12 nerve at 105 points or a regiment at 14 attacks, uh, 13, 15 nerve, and 165 points. Uh, height 3, they are speed 8. They hit on 4s in melee, on 5s in range, and defense 4. Uh, they're nimble, thunder charge 1. They have short bows, so 18-inch range and steady aim. And you can exchange the short bows for throwing axes. Uh, that gives you range 12 and piercing 1, steady aim for free. They have barbarian keyword and human. Well, Thorben Newman wants to know, what do you think of horse raider heavy builds? How would you go about building them? They're really good in, uh, like I said, in the formation, which I'm sure we'll get to. Um, but just the, the ability to get around the board uh, with Nimble and then um, whatever you can't quite get to, be able to pop a little bit of wounds off or else shoot the chaff that's blocking off their units that you want to get in combat with is what I've had the most success with. Uh, taking the chaff down or else putting those little bit of wounds to finish off a unit at the end of a game or something been really beneficial to speed eight with still being able to put out another 18 inches for shots do you run them as a troop or a regiment uh regiments some formation primarily you said yeah formation and then i normally throw the uh, helmet drunken ram on one of them so make them thunder too yeah i like them height three ranged is not something you know any range at all is not something that uh Varinger have a ton of options for and to be able to move and you know finish off that unit that you you know put a ton of wounds on and you you know rolled that three when you needed to pop them just to get that one extra wound is nice they are nimble so they can kind of get around and they they're not terrible uh in like straight up fights even if without the the added uh, bonus to the formation i don't usually feel a ton of them but i i have played with them a number of times they serve a role I think the formations makes them playable as they are I, I, at melee four and range five. They're just not good on either front. Once you get them into melee three, at least they become um, a threat, especially on a flank. I just have a little bit of trouble with them versus the kind of the the, the whole world of other units similar to them. Uh, I was actually looking at them today with uh, with Alex and doing a little comparison to Scorch Wings because there's apparently somebody running eight hordes of those, and you you. you just look at the comparison of them versus other units that are similar in nature, and they just don't even compete. 
you know, there, there are a lot of points for a little too slow, just a little, they're not quite good enough at range. That range five, I think is really pretty punishing to them. I think we would all like to pay a little bit more and get that to range four. And that would make Great. them a, a, a way, way, way more uh, competitive unit because you have other things out there that do it like the silver breeze, like the scorch wings. They're, they're just really struggling to really be too effective with those shots on, on range five. Are we taking the short bows or are we exchanging those for throwing axes? Bows. I'm short keeping bows. the short, short bows. bows. Yeah. Yep. Billy, we, we talked about the formation. I think you really can't talk about the horse raiders if we don't touch on the formation. But slick sneers, streakers, basically you get two uh, horse raider regiments. And then slick sneer was a lord on horse mounted with the icon of the warrior upgrade. And what's great is for basically 20 points, your horse raider regiments each become Malay 3+. Plus. Uh, and then the lord has both a horse mount and the icon of warrior options despite the normal restriction. Talk to me about the formation, guys. Formation, I absolutely love it. The the ability to have an individual that's running around with the aura, uh, brutal, just makes your other uh, your other units that we'll be getting to uh, just that extra ability to pop something in one round of combat without needing help. And then uh, it makes the the horse raiders not needing flanks to be useful. Uh, they can charge in front and still be able to put out enough hurt to possibly pop a unit, or else help something else to get there. Yeah, I think the the formation to get slick slick sneer, <laughs> slick sneer silk sneer. Does anybody actually know? Um, to get him the upgrade is is great. Uh, unfortunately, I wish that you could just do that without having to take the formation. I think you're paying a lot of points for that guy to be the key component, and I you know I'd just rather have mounted sons than the horse raiders. And again, looking at formation, this formation versus some of the other formations out there in the world, like. You know, forces of nature who get to run, you know, a greater air elemental and, and uh, air elementals that get better because of the formation versus these guys get some horse raiders. It, it, it's it's hard for me to see it in the big picture as uh, fantastic. I do think it's good for what this army brings and can do. Um, it's something that you can't really get through the rest of the army. It's, you know, not as much speed options. So being able to bring nimble units to the table is definitely a big advantage. But um, I just am not 100% sold on the uh, horse raiders, even with that melee three value. I like it, but uh, I do struggle to f- to have two regiments of, of the horse raiders. I usually only run one uh, if I run them. So I I just don't know what I give up to bring in the other regiment. And the uh, Lord on the horse is good. I you know like like Mike said, I wish I could have him running around the horse with a aura of brutal by himself without having to buy that extra regiment of uh, horse raiders. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, the horse raiders are irregular and when you take the formation, now you've got a unit that costs 175 points. And when you compare them to Mounted Sons of Corgan, I don't know that they win that yeah. comparison very much. Yeah. Right now, let's be honest. There probably is a use for the horse raiders, which we talked about. Oh my God, you got this unit that's escaped and they can run them down and shoot the last, you know, get a, get a, make them take that test. Right. I don't know if, if there's a build that you can build around these guys where this is the but, central part of your army. I think you got to, if you're going to take cavalry, Mounted Suns seem the way, is, is the yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Thorben asked about a horse raider heavy build. I think the formation's about as heavy as it should get. Right. <laughs> right. Anything more than that, you're going to have a, you're going to have a tough time. One of you guys, whoever wants to do it, Mounted Sons of Corgan. Mounted Sons of Corgan. So essentially you're mounted Huskarls. So they do come in as a troop. 
One unit strength, nine attacks, 12, 14 nerve at 140 points. They come as a regiment, three unit strength, 18 attacks, 15, 17 nerve at 215 points. Bargain. They are speed eight, melee three, defense five. They are crush one. They are thunder one. They have an option for brand of the warrior to get brutal for five or 10 points. Or they can do the guys of the deceiver to get stealthy for five or 10 points. Uh, they are barbarians, bloodbound, and human keywords. So these are, to me, what make Varanger, Varanger, or Varengar, or whatever you guys pronounce it down there. Um, they're fantastic. They get 215 points. I, I know a lot of people did gripe and moan when they changed these guys last year with Cock 21. They dropped their attacks down from 20, and I think they dropped their nerve down a little bit, but they also dropped their points down pretty significantly. And I think they're in a really sweet spot right now, 215 points to be able to get 18 attacks where most other cavalry are getting 16, and their melee 3, and their crush 1, so they get to compete after the first round of mm-hmm. combat. They, they, they're just, I mean... 215 points is just like, it's awesome. They, they really are awesome. Just love them. Well, I'm just thinking like Kingdoms of Men, Knights, similar stats, but Thunder 2, and I think they're now 190 points. For 25 points, you're you're getting crushing one Thunder 1, which is... And huge. two attacks. And I think and the nerve attacks. is better too, right? And yeah, one nerve, two attacks, yeah. and crush one Thunder 1. Yeah, I think that's, two. Oh, that's a value. That's value town right there. Very mm-hmm. much so. Yeah. And the options, right? I mean, stealthy, pretty good. If you if you if you're worried about glade stalkers, I mean, that's everybody talks about now, right? Glade stalkers, glade stalkers, glade stalkers. Yeah, and it, it, you know, once we start talking into the big picture of the armies as a whole, I think the other benefit you have these versus something like frost fangs is height three means they can hide a lot better. You know, we yeah. talked about trolls being monsters infantry; they can hide now. They're they're much more usable across the board even without stealthy they're already better counter to shooting so these guys i personally just run them flat 215 no items no no stealthy just put them down and send them off to go do their job and i think that that's that's the most efficient use of them i certainly can justify anybody taking items too um but i just love that that 215 bare bones go yeah and with crushing strength one at least if they have to go pathfinder like through through the woods or over a wall yeah, they'll be hitting on fours, but they still have crushing strength, which yep. you know a lot of the other units are going to be like. Ugh. How are you guys modeling these? Are, are is it is it barbarians on armored steeds, or what are we doing here for these guys? Chaosy looking knights. This is actually really my only heavy GW uh, things. So I I had a bunch of the old GW cast knights. Uh, my regiments now have the old chaos chariots like in the center and then I have knights around the outside to fill out the out the unit but they're just they're wonderful they're they're perfect hammers they run they do do damage uh for 10 points brutal is really nice just that extra always having that built-in wound coming from uh also playing ogres I love having brutal Brutal's great <laughs> when you like love your attacks and you still get it's like it's like worth a one it's like yeah. worth a wound every time oh yeah oh, oh yeah Nine times is two the magic number? Or is it what's the number magic number of units? I like two. I like two yeah. regiments. Um, I can one on each side, or I double up, and it's just they project such a good range of threat where you're going to take damage. You, you can't. There's nothing you're going to throw out there that they're not going to put a good chunk of wounds on. They might not kill everything, but they're going to put a sizable number of wounds and put you at risk of dying. Are we ever taking the troop? No. 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 <laughs> Do you want the nerve, I guess, at that yeah, point? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and the I, attacks. Yeah. 
I personally run them with Stealthy, but that's also because I play Adam and Travis consistently, and if I don't, they uh, they don't get shot off the, the table field. before they get there. Yeah. yeah. Yep. The old basement meta. <laughs> yeah. It's actually yeah. saved me quite a bit, though. No, I'm sure. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think Stealthy and Brutal are both good options, no doubt. I personally like three of them in, in a list because I do like running and make it, so it's kind of a, I'm going to lose one probably to shooting, but two more are getting there. Really important to try to combo charge these with maybe one of your characters or something else in the army. And that's where they really clutch is that extra, whether it's brutal or whether it's just because they're the 18 attacks versus 16. They make combo cart charges a, a sure thing. And that's what we're really talking about here with this army is we have hammers and we need to go in and one shot units. And these guys are a key component in making sure that happens. Yeah, if, stuff, if stuff's left alive, <laughs> yeah, the, the, they drag the knights down right off the horse yeah, and then yeah. it doesn't, yeah, you lose yeah, some yep. momentum at that point. Well, let's talk about large cavalry. Mike, you've already talked about Frostfang and how great they are. I don't know that I would say they're great. I just really like them, okay? There's a difference there. So, yeah, Frostfang Cavalry, they are large calves. They're on that big base. You got a regiment with two-unit strength, 15 attacks at 12, 14 nerve at 160 points, and then a horde, which is a unit strength, three, 30 attacks. You heard that right. 15, 17 nerve. Yeah, you unfortunately heard that right as well. And 265 points. They are speed seven with a wild charge one for an effective charge of 15. They are melee four, which we know is kind of an issue, but again, 30 attacks. They are defense five. They do have crush two, and they have strider, which is kind of the key, in my opinion, is that built-in strider means that I know exactly what I'm going to get from them every single time. 30 attacks on fours is going to be consistent because I'm not worried about terrain going and screwing me over. Whether I'm countercharging with that many dice, I have a chance to one-shot anything and everything. And man, I just love, I love attacking with these things. It's so much fun. They are a liability. They're height four. People can see them no matter what you do about it. So if they got sharpshooters, bolt throwers, stone throwers, they're coming at you turn one and every turn until these guys are gone. That's where that nerve becomes to be a liability. I, I generally run one with Fury, one with Headstrong to try to get there as best I can. I, I don't think they're better than Mounted Suns, but I do like them more because I just love the, the attacks. I, I do wonder with the changes to the cover rules, things like cannons that don't have, uh, you know, uh, ignore obscured. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be you're gonna have to you know unless people take a lot of more lobbers which are which have the obscured right. uh, ignore obscured rule I think these guys might be more survivable in the in, in the future if you got height two or height three in front of them they're getting cover at least yeah yeah there's there's definitely something to be said about screening them you know and try to pick your your spot on the table try to hide behind impassables hide behind trees. Um, but what gets me are the, the bolt throws that generally hit on fours, and then it just goes down to fives. They'll take them all day. Your sharpshooters sharp from yeah. dwarves, you got your your um, claw shots. Claw uh, shots. Claw, yeah. yeah, stuff like that that just go, yeah, we're normally fours, and we'll take them on fives all day, every day. They're, they are big, and they just start getting shot at. At 265, it's not cheap. Oh, it hurts. No. It hurts bad. Yeah, <laughs> you, you got to like – I, I think I, I have shot off a couple of units of Frostfang before they've gotten to me, and – I saw a little couple tears down there, down his eyes. He's like, oh, yeah, you know, you're losing. That's a lot of points to lose. What's the magic artifacts? You other guys chime in here. How are you guys? Are you guys running Frostfang? And if you are, what are you? What are you running? I personally, them? this was about. This was one of the units that I dropped to get the formation, and just for the sheer fact of I couldn't really hide them very well, and uh, they were getting picked off because of everything else being stealthy in my army. They were getting picked off before they could do anything. I played them in, uh, a lot initially. 
Uh, and then uh, I, I've just got, I played Rossi entirely too much and his four troops of sharpshooters just shooting me in the head over and over and over again. I'm like, yep, I'm dead. All right. I didn't get into combat because they love to waver. Mm-hmm. And if you're getting wavered in, in, in shooting, unless you're headstrong, you know, that fury is not going to do anything for you. So you're just like, oh, I'm going to stand here like, like a dope, probably blocking up other things because I'm a giant base and I can't hide. So I'm just going to stand here, and so next turn I'll still be here, right here for you to shoot me in the face. So I, the, I've kind of moved away from, from uh, Frostbanks for that. The 1517 nerve is just is too low for it's a 255 for point. Yeah, yeah. And, and there's a reason I'm saying that. The, <laughs> there's a reason I'm a has-been because I, I know that. Or, or, yeah, right. That's and and that, let's just remind people, how did you do it? The most recent tournament. Terribly. <laughs> Let's okay. not talk about it. No, I mean, I, I was competitive. You know, I, I didn't win as much as I, I normally would. And, and uh, it certainly made me tweak my list a little bit. But I just think they're fun. You know, and there's something to be said about it. I think they can the, be effective. And these are some of the best models in the range for Mantic. I, I'm a big fan of the, the Frostfang models. I just think big, giant, furry beasts yeah. with Huskarls on their back. Yeah, I'll take that all day. Um, yeah. I, yeah. I would I would prefer a, a couple extra poses, maybe. That's that, right. That they, is... they only have two poses of the beast itself, right? Yes. Yep. And then there's three different riders, but they're kind of very similar. Similar, yeah. Matt Trawala asks, are Magus Conclave secretly the best war engines? Well, it's not going to be a secret anymore if we weigh in on it. Well, that's true. <laughs> I do wonder, though, if, if you got an army that wants to Alpha Strike or, or be in their face quickly... How does this unit that we're going to talk about, how does that work? Because normally with War I mean, I'm a, I'm a Kingdom's Men player, so my War Engines are sitting back at the back table, right? And and I've got guys kind of slowly moving up. But your balls to the wall, straight forward into the, into the, you know, into the, into the battle line. Well, I think how, how are you guys using this unit? I think they need to be in a different style list, which we kind of talked yeah. about earlier with the Night Raiders. I think an army that has some Night Raiders and has some, some Megas Conclaves presents a different environment, a different tabletop than what we've been talking about here. That's not an army that you just move up, turn one as fast as you can, and turn two charge. It plays a little bit more like elves, in my opinion, where you sit back, you have some fast hammers that can threaten when people get close, but they have to close in on you because you have the shooting. And Magus Conclaves are really good at it, absolutely. Steady aim, nimble is, is amazing. Uh, they are a little fragile, stealthy is cute and all, but it's not defense five like some of your other war engines. Um, they have a role in an army, but it's not one that we've been talking too much about here. That's that's big baddies the whole time. Magnus Conclave's a war engine, speed five, no melee, range four, which is great, defense three, and it's two attacks, 11, 13, 100 points. Nimble and stealthy. Stealthy is a great little rule for this unit, right? Because people are going to shoot it. And the fact that it's nimble is kind of interesting. I don't, I'm not smart enough to figure out how I could use that, but obviously when, when you're when you are only moving speed five at least you you get it you you know you could get two pivots there right so uh that's interesting uh blood bolts 36 inch range blast d3 piercing two steady aim uh you can upgrade them and uh you get elite range with blood bolts for 10 points so for 110 points you can have two attacks at 36 inch range they hit on fours with blast d3 piercing two with steady aim. So, you know, this is, this is one of the few, I think, well, there's not, there's not that many units that can move and shoot like this. So I don't know. Are you guys running these guys? Have you tried them? What, what do you think? Uh, I've, I've used them uh, on and off. I never more than one. 
they are good again for uh, getting those last couple wounds on something or to soften something up for the next turn charge. It is because it's a, a war, uh, war machine, it's on that 50 mil base. So having that, that nimble really does able to like scoot around um, things because they're only infantry. They're, I mean, they're only height too. So in order to see things, you really have to need that nimble to be able to scoot around to the side and then get that pivot so you can see what you want to shoot at. They're, they're solid. They, they do some damage. They're, they usually stick around. They're not super easy to take off, partially because you can move them. It makes it a little harder for normal war machine hunters to kind of hunt them down. You can get out of arcs and you can, you know, push them away out of charge range and makes them a little more survivable than a standard war engine. I assume, though, they're almost always going to be hitting on fives, right? You're going to be shooting. Well, I guess not. If you're shooting chaff that's coming at you, you probably yeah. wouldn't be. But but other than that, if you're trying to hit something big and bad coming behind that, you're probably going to be having cover penalties, uh, sure, which but, is fine because you're hitting on fives at that point. Yeah. Instead of instead of sixes. So it's a big deal starting with a four as opposed to the horse rider starting at a five. Absolutely. Right. And you, t- you take a lead every time because for 10% of the cost, you gain 16% in value. Yep. So fives with a lead is something you still take. And th- the thing about them is they keep doing the damage as the game goes on. Speaking a little bit to the horse raiders who late game, you like to be able to pop little shots on and finish things in. These guys do it even better, especially with that nimble. They can move and shoot, steady aim, and, and try to go finish things. And I've taken them usually with three of them. And you, you, I mean, you're doing six, seven wounds to defense five straight shot, and obviously not cover, but you can really hurt some things and, and soften them up for when your other stuff gets there. But again, it's going to be you're going to be kind of shorthanded for shots if you're charging into everything with all your big stuff. So it, it certainly is a certain army. I do like the idea of uh, what Corey's talking about with running one to just soften a couple things up. You're not putting all the points into it, but um, I, they are great. They're fantastic. It's just you can't really build an army around them like you can in some other armies with their war engine. I actually have not used them in an army. They haven't ever really fit the style of army that I played Varanger with. I would have figured with all the people you play with, oranges would be your bag. I, that's what I would expect. Yeah, I, I, I went the opposite of that. Uh, let's talk swarms. And Thorben asks, what makes snow foxes so much stealthier than equally small swarms? All right, so here's the key. You have to do your army in snow bases and paint them white, and then they're stealthy. That's it. Fair enough. I was gonna say this because they're height one. You know, they're real low to the ground. You can't see them. They're just like sneaking up on you. Who wants to take us through snow foxes? It's swarm. They're irregular. You, they only come in regiments. Unit strength one, ten attacks, uh, nine eleven nerve, eighty points. Uh, they're height one, nice and short. Speed eight though, melee five, defense two. But they're nimble, pathfinder, stealthy, vicious melee. Keyword beast. They are wonderfully cheap and fast to get in front of our fast things and they stick around they'll actually do a couple wounds with the vicious surprising they'll you know shut off a a regiment of shooting infantry pretty well i yeah snow foxes are some of the best chef in the game high one you can see over them right oh yeah you don't don't block your charges yeah yep they're wonderful yeah there's nothing like them being behind your units and then running 16 inches through woods and pivoting and setting up some incredible block and chaffing maneuvers. And people just assume they're out of the game doing nothing until they just run up there and, and, and they're stealthy. A lot of times I'll leave them in the woods. So it's stealthy and cover. So you can't even shoot them down. Um, 
they they have every rule that they that you want in them. Defense too, perfect. Yeah, give it to me cheap. And then that ten attacks is a lot. I mean, I'm I'm used to looking at Gur Panthers, which have six. Um, that ten attacks is is no slouch. And you catch a flank or you know a rear, you can actually do some damage with that vision. So they're just they're just all around fantastic. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, really funny to see their face when you pull out twenty dice when you get a flank and like, a, oh, what? Yep, that's ten attacks. Yes, that is. Yeah, you go re-rolling ones. They're like, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> These are eighty point chaff. Yeah, they, they yep. actually do some, dish it out. Well, should we jump in and talk about monsters? Who wants to take us through the cavern dweller? Cavern dweller. It is speed six, melee three up, no range value, defense five up. The attacks are D six plus six, nerve sixteen eighteen, two hundred and ten points. Height four. Uh, it has crushing strength three, life leech three, and strider. The keywords on it are blind and cannibal. I love the cavern dweller. He is wonderful. Fifty millimeter base gets in nice and tight with other things to get flanks. And sixteen eighteen nerve is a wonderful nerve. With life leech three, you can heal some of that stuff back. It's. I'm a big fan of the cavern dweller. Strider. So he's always hitting on threes when he charges in. Yeah, so, how do you, how do you think he compares to a giant? He's better than a giant because he hits on threes. I've always thought of it as being like a, a discount called from the probably like in the Shadow, Shadow Hulk. Hulk. Yeah, yeah, I think that's my problem. Is like I, I'm constantly like comparing this guy to Shadow Hulk, which is going dash twenty, which is D six plus uh, is it D six plus eight, D six plus nine, and their Slayer. And it, it, I just have so much trouble making this guy. I, I'll be honest; I've never even run him just because I just look at I look at him in paper and don't think he's good. So he's, he's a fifteen. He's a fifty millimeter base. You love your fifty millimeter. I do. I do. <laughs> and, and height four is yeah. I guess I've never really thought about that. He's a smaller base than a Shadow Hulk, which is a Titan, and gets seen of everything. But this can get cover. I, I, I think that's a piece of it that I haven't really looked at. And have you found Life Leech to actually be helpful? Yes, because he always does three wounds. Like, there's uh, almost nothing he touches that he doesn't do three wounds, at least three wounds to, because he hits on threes all the time. He's he's hard to cut through. You know, if somebody's got a couple of these, uh, you better hit them with a ton of bricks, because if not, you're going to be there for a while. I usually run mine, like, walking next to the uh, snow trolls, because he can see over the snow trolls, and also I can kind of maneuver them around, so the snow trolls give him cover for people shooting at him and most things, unless they're really pretty heavy hammers bounce off the snow trolls. And then he comes in and does bad things to flanks. We have a question for Paul Collins. He asks the cavern dweller is a cool model, but doesn't seem to be taken in Australia much with so many good options in the Varanger list. What does the cavern dweller need to be used more? Corey, you're going to say he don't need anything. He's great. He's on a 50 millimeter base. I use them all the time, but what, what are Billy and Mike? What do you guys think? I think my, it, it honestly looks good. I just didn't play it because of the speed. It didn't keep up with the rest of my army, the way how it was built and played. Uh, but I mean, honestly, it looks good and consistent. Yeah, I I, was, I think the ongoing issue I have is that waiver, you know, problem where he can waver on that 16. He doesn't have a fury. He's not fearless like some of the other good monsters in the book. I know Life Leech 3 is, is nice, but... I just think he's a little too he's missing like slayer and maybe a couple extra attacks or something else to make him you know just a little bit more of a pop in in certain environments but Corey sold me a little bit i'm gonna put him on a list on the on the table and try him out i think he's like a discount giant right but he doesn't have fury which is what mike brought up but he hits on threes instead but he hits of on fours. threes 
Yeah, that's true. But, uh, you know, Mike, you know, and Corey, the, the giant has D6 Slayer and, you know, eight plus yes. six so like you got a lot more attacks so, so i'm doing the math here in my head probably gonna get 14 hits seven and this is gonna do roughly what three and six. nine so you're gonna get six so it's not that different in terms of uh hitting output and, and, and let's be honest crushing four versus crushing three there's very little t- you know that doesn't usually matter but unless you're hitting defense six i guess yeah, these days it, I feel like it's going to matter more. You're going to be seeing more Earth Elementals, I think, with, you know, talk a little bit meta. You know, Glade Stalkers are still going to be out there. Shooting is going to be out there. So you're going to see a lot of the counters to shooting, mm-hmm. which historically was kind of your your Brocks and Rocks kind of style. So your Dwarves are going to be coming out with Earth Elementals, with the uh, Golic and with, you know, all those other fun things that are Defense 6 these days. So I do value a, a Crush 4. Obviously, Crush 3 isn't bad. Um, but I'm looking at a Cavern Dweller and thinking a Giant might be a little bit better buy, personally. Well, the Fury's a big thing, right? When you stick him in there, even if he wavers, you know he's going to punch back. Yep. I think... Piggybacking on what you were saying, if, if it would have the option of the Slayer or Rampage, I think it would make it a, a good option to take. It would, it would help out a lot. That would, that, would, that would make him better, certainly. All right. Well, let's talk about the other monster option, the Jabberwock. Are I'll you guys running this guy? I will say that I've tried so many times, and at the end of the day, it doesn't make the cut. But to walk you through him real quick, he is a monster. He is on a 50 mil, which should make Corey happy. Mm-hmm. Um, he's speed 7, melee 4, defense 5. He is 7 attacks base with a 15-17 nerve. At 165 points. He is brutal. He's crush one, thunder one. He is nimble as well, which we know is great on that 50 mil. And he has strider, which is is always valuable. He also has his feeding frenzy. So in addition to his basic attacks, he gets a number of additional attacks equal to the amount of wounds on the unit he's attacking in melee. So he's kind of like a a bizarro uh, hydra. He can take an option for a ranged attack for 15 points uh, for four up with those seven attacks. He is an abomination. He is bloodbound. He's draconic. Again, I've tried to make this guy work so many times. I love the idea of him batting cleanup and coming in late. Problem is hitting on fours. Even with Strider, it's still a liability. I had one one game where it was like the dream. I came in with 17 attacks, but I hit four times and just completely flopped. He's risky and he's so situational where if you really need or counting on those attacks to be on the opponent to be able to do damage, then he's he's spending half the game where you go, oh, I don't want to send him in. I don't want to use him. He just doesn't do enough without that feeding frenzy. So I find him to be just a little too much of a liability waiting on such an ability to trigger when you can get some better options by spending just another 30 points on something else. Or 45 and, and you just take a cavern dweller, right? At least he's got a little bit more attacks. He hits on threes. He's a little bit more resilient. He's the life leech three. And he's crushing strength three versus crushing one thunder one, which in the counterplay, in those counter charges, I mean, you're you're seven dead. attacks hitting on fours with crushing one, that's not going to do it very, you know. Yep. Yep. Right. Right. The shooting attack option for 15 points, which is a 12 inch four plus range with vicious steady aim. Are you uh, ever try that? tried it once and realized that seven attacks is just, <laughs> it might yeah. as well be zero. 50, I think where the value is, is he's defense 5, 15, 70 for 165 points. You bump him up to 180 points for something that's not going to do a whole lot. You're kind of losing the efficiency on the defensive nature. And when you're at 180, hey, 10 points more and you're at a Lord on Fire, on Frostfang. So he gets arguable at 165, but with the shoot attack, he just doesn't become worth it. I mean, long. he's cheaper than the Cavern Dweller and he's a little bit faster. But we talked about speed 14 right like charging 14 so it's faster than infantry but it still gets outranged by all the cab so he does have he does have nimble and he does have pathfinder so he he can get through terrain and and still 
hit the same, and he's got Strider. He is good with like a combo charge. Yep. Like, he's pretty good if I threw uh, Mounted Suns and him go into a unit. You mentioned him having Strider versus, and, and you said Pathfinder first. He actually used to be Pathfinder before the change. So he changed in Cock 21 from, a, I think it was 13-15 with four attacks base, but he was Pathfinder. They switched him over to Strider, seven right. base, and two more nerve. I think overall they they did do him some justice. I think he's you know at least can be considered in armies now. But Pathfinder is so much better because you can go run through the woods and and chase things down, you know, on the on the hunt. And now you get that unit strength at the end of the game where it needs to be. Yeah. Yeah. And now he's just putting around in the woods, and it's it's very unfortunate. Um, I think I think if they left him Pathfinder, he would be a, a much better buy. Strider's good, don't get me wrong, but he, he just lost that little oomph there. Uh, still better than he was, but just not quite as good as he could be. Billy, you want to chime in at all on the Jabberwock? I actually have not ever run them. They uh, they didn't. I, I fell into the trap of the Hydras and just kind of played a lot of what that Hydra was and all that, and I didn't uh, didn't want to give it a run. Feel the more in the set in before all the changes. Titan time. Uh, he's a Titan. Uh, Spellcaster zero. Strength one. D six plus eight attacks. He's an 1820 for 230 points, height six, speed seven, melee four, defense five. He's brutal, crushing four, strider, and he has icy breath eight. You can uh, give him the following options for free. You can give him a giant club, which gives him rampage uh, D6. You can give him a giant cleaver, which slayer uh, D6. He is frostbound, and he is a giant keyword. So he's got icy breath, but he doesn't have fury. In my mind, he's he's a good, but I don't. I mean, do you guys running this guy? So I, I talked a little bit earlier about doing a Northern Alliance build because I want to take the legendary giant because he gets the fearless. So that's definitely something lacking on this frost giant is that that fury. He does have the twenty nerve versus the cavern dwellers uh, eighteen, so I think that helps. I already mentioned crush four. I think is kind of important to run these days. You also have that Brutal. We were doing the, the, the trade-off in Dweller versus Giant. You have an extra free wound here from the Brutal as well. He has that height six giant base. So he, he gets shot at no matter what. He can't hide. He, he can't do any sort of hiding. But he does have the, even though the average attacks are pretty similar to that Cavern Dweller, keep in mind with those D6s, you have those swings. You have those, oh, I got a 10 and 11, and he could be coming in, you know, 17, 18 attacks. And he has the possibility to swing like crazy i get that the dweller is pretty consistent but i think that frost giant has some real potential to 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 absolutely just annihilate a defense six in one shot which is just crazy you, you can't get that anywhere else yeah the, the free slayer and the, you know choose being able to choose one or the other really does push giant above like a standard giant i do wish he had fury or was that fearless nerve like Krim? i would love to be able to take Krim, and i would yeah. probably take him just about every time but He's made it into, I have a big silly uh, model for him, so uh, he's made it into a few lists of mine. You guys ever using the icy breath? <laughs> I mean, it's what, it gives them frozen, right? So they're minus one. Yeah, yeah but you have to be with But you're only speed seven, so. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But the times that I've done it, I've never used it, but I, I really like the, uh, like we said about the Cavern Dwarf, the, the choice of the Rampage and Slayer, which is really nice to have that ability to pop things without needing help. In my mind, I, I see him a little bit differently in the sense that I think this guy is a little bit more offensive, right? Because you've got the Rampage or the Slayer, whereas the Cavern Dweller with the Life Leech 3 is a little bit more of a hey, I'm gonna I'm just gonna stick and hold. But neither one of them are, are at fury. So that's the problem. You know, that's the problem, <laughs> yeah. right? So 
230 points is not not terrible for this guy. Yeah, I think he's okay. And if somebody that wants to run one, by all means, it's it's not going to be a loss. I think either the Dweller or the Frost Giant can play a similar role. But like you said, Rob, I do think the Cavern Dweller might be a little bit better of a grind versus Frost Giant wants to go in and make sure he kills things dead. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I guess, you know, uh, somebody smarter than me said on this giant, you're taking this on, you're taking Slayer every time, right? You need that crushing four to hit the big guys. <laughs> yeah. Not, yeah, not Joe, Joe Blow. So yeah, we're not hitting yeah. infantry and cab with this guy. We're, we're hitting defense six, defense five. Rocks. It's time to talk heroes. All right. It's called beat five, hitting on fives and melee. Range four up, defense four up. It's got two attacks. 10, 12 nerve, 55 points. Special rules is individual, inspiring. As a throwing axe, 12 inches, piercing one. Keyword is human. Don't sleep on that shooting. <laughs> Two javelin throws, baby. Watch out. <laughs> I mean, are you guys this this is a guy you take? Or there's just too many other better hero options? I almost never take a scald. Unless yeah. I have zero points. You know, I have to shoehorn one more inspiring source in for super Ooh, cheap. But I don't usually. Don't. Yeah. There's so no. many inspiring sources. If you do, though, are you giving this guy something like the loot or something? Or yeah, yeah, he's he's, care. he's there for more than just inspiring. Yeah, he's yeah. he's perfect for the loot if you need it. But you know, we're about to talk heroes, which we're we're never going to be short on heroes in these armies. So you're not looking for a, a, a standard bearer like this skull. I think it's a fine option. Honestly, there's two attacks on fours with Pierce one would be really convenient late game. It's just other things are more convenient. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, Keith Conroy asks, why don't snow troll primes benefit from Krufner's hopefully I didn't butcher it too much special ability. Was this intentional or an oversight? The age old question. I think it's intentional personally. I mean, the bloodbound stuff is all, the chaosy type stuff, you know, it's the 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 very yep. stuff. So Snow Troll Prime is a um, hero monster, so he has fifty mil base as well. Speed six, melee three, defense five. He's got five attacks, a thirteen sixteen nerve for one hundred twenty points. He's crushed two. He is uh, inspiring. He's nimble. He's got regen, just like his troll brethren. He's got vicious, just like his troll brethren. And he's got the wild charge one as well. These guys are just incredibly awesome. The way I'd like to get people's attention is I say, he's only got one less nerve than my hordes of Frostfang. And people go, wait, wait, what? And he's got regen. And he's only 120 points. And he recently benefited from the change where he doesn't just inspire trolls. He inspires everything. So why are you going to take a Scald when you take two of these guys, three of these guys? I'm including at least two of these in every single list. Probably three more so the more that I've and these guys seem even better than maybe the regiment of snow trolls, right? Because what is that like nine attacks on the, the regiment? You, you know, I mean yeah, this guy yeah, this, guy, this guy's ten points cheaper, right? And melee he's got, three. He's got yeah. a nerve sixteen, right? Yeah. So hitting right. on threes and crushing yeah. So I think man, that's a real decision. Do you take if you're gonna take a regiment, do you just take another snow troll prime? I guess it has to do with unlocks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're really good. I, I haven't used them because they, they didn't fit in my style of army, but I mean, they're they're really, really good. If, if I played anything that was a little bit slower, this would be three of them at least, my army. Yeah, they're they're very, very cost-effective, can keep up with most things, and are just really, really good. I'm annoyed that I have to rebase uh, the majority of my troll characters because they're all on 40s, yeah. <laughs> and of course, snore trolls are on 50s, but uh, it's, it is a Something that is in the process. Small price to pay. Really good. For excellence on the table. 
Right. I never took them before because they didn't inspire. Oh, they only inspired trolls. Now that they inspire everything, I'm like, oh yeah, I can, I can put these on the table. And so often people don't want to deal with them because it's so much nerve for so little like battlefield presence. So they just get ignored and they just run around. This is why I give them tokens. I let them go chase down tokens. They stand on objectives and people just, it, it's so much work to try to kill one of these things. And for 120 points, it's just, they're incredibly good. Incredibly they good. have the goblin effect of they're cheap and they do a lot. Yep. Yes. So. All right. Well, let's talk about the units that everybody likes to bitch about. <laughs> and Dave Fanning has a question for us on this. What do I add to my list after three Lords on Frostfang and three Thanes on Frostfangs? Let's talk about these two guys together because they're very similar. I mean, I know that the Lord on Frostfang did get the nerf. It's now crushing two Thunder one instead of crushing three. Thane, uh, Hero Large Cav, Speed seven, Melee three, Defense five. Uh, unit strength one, five attacks, 1315 nerve for 125 points. Crush two, inspiring, nimble, strider, and wild charge one. And they can upgrade with a snow fox, giving uh, to for 10 points, bumping them up to six attacks. Keyword barbarian, frostfang, and human. And then the lord on the frostfang, speed seven, melee three, defense five, uh, unit strength one, eight attacks, 1517 uh, nerve, 190 points, height four. Crush 2, Nimble, Strider, Thunder 1, very inspiring, uh, Wild Charge 1, and he can also get the Snowbox for 10 points. What's the right mix here? Is it 2 and 2, 1 and 1? What, what, what are you guys taking? In a standard, in my standard army, I usually run 2 Lords, just because that 18-inch range of the 2 very inspiring sources pretty much covers the majority of my battle line. You know, those 3 inches really make a big difference. Crush 2, Thunder, Thunder 1 is still... Delivering plenty of hurt in a mini dragon form with nine attacks with the snow fox. When I see the Lord of Frostfang, though, I just think of the general on wing beast from the Kingdom of Endless. I mean, they're both 190 points. They have the same exact stats. The difference is one's flyer and moves 10, and one has strider. And obviously, the, the general on uh, the wing beast has only got seven attacks versus default. That's... You guys are at eight, right? Yeah. So you can get it to nine. I just wonder, like, Where's the value here? Is, is it the Thane or is it always the Lord? I think it's always the Lord, personally. Yeah. The Thane, he just doesn't put out enough offense. So if you're taking him, it's for the defense. If you're taking him for the defense, just take a troll. It's one more nerve and it's regen. It, it, it's just all, all over better. And especially when they made trolls inspiring, it was, it's a no-brainer to me. The Lord's on Frostfang, that's the difference. Nine attacks versus seven attacks is massive. You know, you, you have the ability to to really t tip things over the scales. We've already been talking. We're doing a lot of combo chargers here, and they're just guaranteed wounds, especially with that strider. You never have to worry. You're always getting the crush two, and now the thunder one. It was a much nicer. It was always crush three. But you can run them straight to the face. and they, Six, they, six they, hits every time. Yep. You're just, you're just getting everything you need out of them. Yeah, they're a little bit a little bit vulnerable on the nerve side of things. I personally tend to run two, just like Corey, but you're rarely going to leave the, the, the house without one. I mean, it, you'd be crazy to leave the house without one of these guys. Are you guys ever running three? I have. I, I used to run A lot three. of points. I mean, because you're looking at with the snow box is 200 points a pop. So so that's 600 points for three unit strength. But but 27 attacks. But they're like real <laughs> surgical hammers. <laughs> yeah. Right? They can, You know, in the nimble, I'm sure you guys are able to get in some flanks that people don't see coming to. Yeah, and that's kind of the big thing here when we're talking about 
the trolls and maybe the fallen and you know these guys you're running a lot of nimble stuff so you're going to sneak in flanks from all sorts of angles you need to kind of collapse your opponent into setting things up where you have cross vision and being able to, to charge around things that they don't see and that's where those extra attacks are really going to become important is once you start doubling and tripling for the uh, flanks and rears so that's really kind of the the key of the army as a whole is you you need to set up for those those big charges and sneak in with those nimble uh, abilities out of these monsters. So Daniel Hopkins asked, who thought the Lord on Frostfang's point cost was a good idea? Now, I know the points stayed the same, but they did go from crushing three to crush two thunder one. But 190 points still seems like value town on these guys. No doubt. Yeah, yeah it is. You still take them. Yeah, they are. They're many dragons. That's what they are. You know, this is probably a good point to bring up, too. I, I actually like the way Mantic makes adjustments. So I, I like to think of it like we're, we're on this this boat, all right? And if you overcorrect one way, <laughs> you, you take us off course. And I like the fact that here they just said, look, we're not going to change the points. We're just going to try crushing two thunder one. And if that's not enough, next year they'll get another little, you know, uh, little tweaks as opposed to big swings, which may overshoot the mark. And I think that's the right the right path here. Yeah, I know they at one point they had come out and said very candidly that hey, we're not going to change point costs on anything. And I did like that idea because it really did speak to building an army, especially unit basing, where you're not going to have to change your army because of nerfs. You can run the exact same army. You're just not going to get all the same rules you had before. I like that. I know they did go away from that a little bit this recently. I get it. I understand it. That they can't be 100% on that. But I do like the the I, I, that concept of, hey, the point cost isn't moving. We're just going to take what people might have an issue with at that point cost and make a small tweak. That crush tooth under one, I think, is appropriate. It, it really does make a difference. It means they're swinging a little less hard on those, those second and third round attacks. And, and that's about right. That's where people start to complain. If you are going into phalanx in the front, you know, now, now you're hitting on fours with crushing strength two as opposed to, you know, crushing two thunder one. So, but I'm if you're going into the front with phalanx, I guess with this guy, you're doing it wrong. Yeah, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to bring up something on, on that note back to the frost ring hordes. Watch out for that because when you start hitting on fives with 30 attacks, you're a sad panther. <laughs> Does anybody take the Lord on Chimera? The model is sick, dude. I love the model, but I'm just wondering, is anybody taking that guy? If they're not taking it, is it more of just dragons in general? They're so expensive, and it's hard to get the utility out of them. In in the old days, I I never left home without one. Kind of every list I had always had the Lord on a on a Camara flying around doing terrible things. I've tried a couple times uh, on that thir- uh, seventy five millimeter base, and big, and really expensive. And I, if I can take a a, mud, a hundred point cheaper Lord on a on a Frostfang that does similar damage. Yep. I'll save the hundred points, and I can. That's a that's another regiment of Dragar plus. Yeah, every time I try to put one in my list, I'm I'm finding myself cutting two units, and usually one of them's a Lord on Frostfang, and something else, and I still might be short on points just to get a one unit strength model on the board. I think he's awesome, but not awesome enough. If they made him two unit strength, maybe. I thought they were onto something for a minute there when they started bringing out some titan bases and they're making some of these monsters with 12 attacks i thought that was going in the right direction to make those units viable again they kind of squandered all that brought it all back made them all 75s and 10 attack capped and um i think that's just going to forever limit dragons and dragon-like characters you know they've, they've done something with slashers making them to unit strength that's something that I, I think needs to be spoken about to try to make dragons playable again because nothing's cooler than having 
dragon running across the board. I'm sorry, but but nobody can justify it. You just can't justify it. Right what, what if they did like what they did with the monarch, where they get rallied to bloodbound or something like that? Yeah, I, I think you can do things to make them more unit or army army positive. And right now, though, you're paying for this chimera to have you know, an icy breath, and most of them have some sort of breath attack you're paying for that you don't really want or need. They, they, they just aren't doing what you want them to do. I mean, it is a flyer, which is a good thing, right? I mean, the, the, it's a flyer, which is great in the sense that he's he's going to reach out and touch somebody, but he's, like you said, he's got 10 attacks. Hitting on threes with crushing three. It's like, well, gosh, you could probably just take the giant and <laughs> save mm-hmm. some points. And yep. he's not going to get there first, but he might against infantry or something. Yeah. I think the Camara falls into a deal of we have so many other options that are viable that it makes it hard to take that. 310 points is a lot of points. It's unbelievable. A lot of points. And I think a lot the, of points. The problem is with dragons, you want to be able to outdrap your opponent and drop a dragon on a flank and go, all right, I got you. But at 310 points, you're never going to outdrop your opponent. It just isn't, it's not going to happen unless the rest of the army is just pathetic. So it, they're, they're kind of self contradicting by being so expensive. And you can always find something better for 300 points. It just, it, it's its too easy. Yeah, you compare him to, say, a Void Lurker. Right. And a Void Lurker is vastly superior in every way. Well, all right, who wants to take us through the Thane? Thane is speed 5, melee 3 up, defense 5 up. Got 3 attacks, 11-13 nerve at 50 points. Special rules, he's got crushing strength 1, individual and wild charge 1. Uh, it has the option to upgrade to get the brand of the warrior. That gives it brutal for 10 points. And the Snow Fox option at 10 points. Keywords of Barbarian, Bloodbound, and Human. Three attacks. I don't know, guys. That seems like not enough. And then Crushing Strength 1. Uh, and then he's Infantry as well, right? <laughs> so is this guy ever going to see the table? No. He's no. terrible. He's awful. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Get never. If you had inspiring, maybe sort right. of. Right. I mean, if you're gonna go with this option, you just go with the scald, right? Yeah. You're not, yeah. You're not getting this guy because of offensive output. Yeah. It'd, yeah. It'd be cool if he had take a mount and do something. He's just he's just all around bad. Everything about him. Yeah. Bad. I feel like the thing and the skull should be one profile. Yeah. For yeah. sure. Who wants to take us through the magus? I'll do the magus. Spellcaster level two, uh, speed five, melee five, defense five, uh, one attack, eleven thirteen uh, nerve. For 90 points, he's individual. He has Famulus. Whenever he hits with Lightning Bolt, Bane Chant, Drain Life, or Blood Boil, it can reroll all dice that roll natural one. Uh, he's also got Transfusion. At the start of uh, each of your range phases, you can transfer up to D2 points of damage from a friendly core Bloodbound unit within six inches of this unit to a friendly core Draugr unit uh, also within six inches of this unit. The unit can only be targeted with a single transfusion per turn. The drugger will not take a nerve test for damage taken this way. Comes with lightning bolt four. Uh, you can give him a mount option for 35 points. Uh, he can get bane chant two for 20 points, drain life six for 30 points, or blood boil one for uh, 30 points, or free if you replace it with lightning bolt. He is keyword uh, bloodbound and human. There's your range attack. You know, built in lightning bolt. Are you guys put him on a horse? Uh, not usually. I'm not taking him. <laughs> I'm gonna say it's not staying in my field. Uh, so expensive. Doesn't even come with inspiring. I I'd mean, usually take him with nothing most of the time. Just 90 points. Lightning bolt four. He should he shoot some lightning bolt. If you were taking a lot of Draugr, right? You have the ability to do some stuff, but 
Um, it's got a short range. It's kind of like Drain Life, right? Six inches. Is like, ugh. Um, well, you got six inches from him and then six inches from the other unit. So you're just right. going to walk him in the middle. D2, and it's free. You can just do it. It doesn't, t- you know, it's not in lieu of your mm-hmm. casting lightning bolt. He's six of one, half dozen the other, uh, whether or not he stands in or you, if you have 10 extra, there are 10 or 20 extra points, you you make it a Magus Conclave to do similar. Yeah, I just think he's he's in the realm of wizards. He's very expensive. It doesn't have anything that sets him apart. And, I mean, the only thing that I learned here today is he's defense five. That's great. Maybe that's part of why he's so expensive. But, right. you know, I, I don't need that. I don't even need the the transfusion. I'd rather him be a, you know, 70-point caster, defense four, no transfusion, so that he can actually be a potential uh, plug into the army. But I just think he's too pricey. Well, let's talk about the Lord. Very similar to the Thane, right? The, the big difference is he is very inspiring. But again, he still only has the six attacks, hitting on threes with crushing two while charge one. So he's mighty. I, I don't, you guys, 110 points. He has a lot of options, but can't take some of the cool stuff if you take the mount, right? That's the problem. Correct. That's the yeah. problem. Yep. Um, which is why, right, the formation that, that allows this guy to get the mount and the option and makes him is the only way to take this guy is via the formation. Yeah, I personally don't think there's a place for him. You know, we're getting close to the the lady herself, Magnilda. If you want to take an, take an individual, she's it every time. This guy, to make him viable, you know, you're mounting him. You're giving him the Snow Fox to get him up to seven attacks. But then he's not elite, which Magnilda is. Um, he loses that Wild Church. He's not quite fast enough. He does still waver on a 13. I mean, he, defensively, he's no better than an Elf Lord. And you're going to be putting him at 160 plus points just doesn't impact the board enough now if they gave you the ability to do that those icons and a mount without taking the formation i think this guy can be some really good flavor for the army too i think that gives me some some fluff to think about about having this this lord that's leading the army on a horseback and there's other you know mounted sons running with him and he's got one of those oars it's cool it's a cool concept but i'm not doing him on foot i'm sorry that's the real world here you take the formation you at least get him for you know you get the upgrade in the horse right kind of rolled yeah. into that the, the only time that i felt that the be somewhat useful to me is when i'm running uh trying to make a, like a heavy huskarl uh set up with it. it i feel like it fits pretty well in that but otherwise i without being able to mount it it's not i see my field yeah if i if i really can't afford the lord on a frostfang i will take a lord on a horse and not spend for the aura obviously just i'll give him brutal instead just by himself so then he can run around and charge with other things, adding a few extra attacks on that brutal. Most of the time, Lord on, on a Frostfang is a better option. I do want to chime in here and something that it took me a minute to realize for anybody that doesn't. The auras from the icon, uh, both the Life Leech and the Brutal, are plus one. They're not a static one. So if you have your other units that are running Brutal as well, you can stack a double Brutal, yes. which is pretty brutal. <laughs> yep, I, my whole list was built around that. That was Yep. yep. Yeah. So that that's definitely something. There's something there to that, to say the least. Yeah. You take the formation, give him the brutal, then you give the two mounted sons, your mounted sons, and he stays nowhere near the the horse raiders. He runs <laughs> with the 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 mounted sons, giving them double brutal. Well, we got one more regular hero. We got the cursed son. I don't know. Right. You guys, go are we taking this guy? I, I personally probably taking him over the lord if I can't mount the lord, but uh, otherwise. 
No, not really. 130 points is is pricey. I mean, he does have seven attacks. But then you, um, you're you're inevitably going to buff him up onto the horse to make him effective. 165 points. 165 just, points. just our what 15 points and can't take the Lord on the Frostfang. Yeah, more. Yeah. Or Magnild. Um, he, he's basically a, a Reaver, right? We've already talked about the Reavers enough. He's just the leader of the Reavers. He's still not good. Mike, you've been talking about her all night. Oh, yeah, my lady. You guys know the background story for this chick, right? We used to have Herja, right? And she got this is the new Hil- Herja. Yes. You guys know the whole, right? So, yes. yeah, Herja was a totally broke character that used to be in the book. Herja was amazing. She amazing. was amazing. She's great. With defense six with Life Leech and Iron Resolve. Oh. Just throw her in the uh, horde of cavalry and, and watch them yeah, bounce. And so this is the what's come out of that, right? Uh, out of her death. So, uh, Mike, you want to take us through Magnilda? Yep, absolutely. Magnilda of the Fallen. Um, speed 7, melee 3, defense 5. She has 7 attacks. She has a nerve of dash 15. You guys know how I feel about wavering, so I love it. She has 175 points. She's crushed 2. She is elite, which is key to what I love about her. Seven attacks with elite on threes. She's an individual. She's inspiring. She has iron resolve. So great with that dash 15. And she is mighty. She does have what we are calling Herja's legacy. Once per game, before she's given an order, she gains speed 10 and fly. So one use only speed 10. She's barbarian, bloodbound, fallen, and human. I can't say enough about how much I love her. That one, one use fly gets you in places where most of your other army is not going to get to she's super consistent with wounds i've talked about combo charges she's at the ticket there she's doing a good three to four wounds all the time she's hard for your opponent to deal with they don't want to deal with her and even once she uses her one-time fly to get across the board and maybe stop something from shooting you speed 14 is not anything to ignore she's getting across the field and just standing in their back lines causing problems She's absolutely key to every army I build for Vanguard. Yeah, being able to fly and then while while Speed 14 isn't a super amazing walking, slogging across the board, moving 20 and being on your side of the, out of the board, all of a sudden that's, that 14-inch that range is devastating. Yep. It's like, I can see you. And, you know, individual. So spin around, punch you in the face, make you sad. She's great. I originally put her in there to try and uh, mitigate the flying characters. Just give me the option to down them to be able to get a uh, a Lord on Frostfang and to finish them off, and then it's bolted into now. I just open up easy army in the sense of being in my deal already. So <laughs> I don't get a choice to add it or not. Yeah, she's she's necessary, especially you know we've talking through all these units a lot of speed seven and eight. We don't really take flyers. We don't really have speed nine and ten in our most of the time. So we do have to be careful about those dragons coming around flanks. So I like to include that one individual to make sure we can down those dragons, and she's as good as it gets. And she's got a killer model for Mantic, which is awesome as well. Mike McCready asks, is Grufenir, is he the real unsung hero of the army or a total points trap? Who wants to talk about this uh, last unique character? Monstrous Infantry. So he's a special snow troll. So he's got speed six. Melee three up, uh, defense five up, uh, unit strength one, got five attacks, 14, 16 nerve, 160 points, height three, crushing strength two, got nimble, rampage three, regen five up, uh, very inspiring, vicious and melee, uh, wild charge D3, and then it's got an ability of bring me their head. At the start of the melee phase, choose one friendly core bloodbound unit within 12 inches of this unit, regardless of line of sight, that unit gains duelist until the end of the turn. 
uh, keywords are troll and bloodbound. You're basically you're looking forward against individuals, right? Yeah, I, I just think I mean taking him compared to a snow troll prime for 40 points, you get rampage three. Who cares? You get very inspiring. It's kind of convenient, but we already have so much inspiring. And then you get a little extra wild charge, but it doesn't really make too much of a difference at 13 versus a 15. So it's really the rampage. And then that bring me their head ability and you're paying 40 points for that. And it's just, it's too much. I, I, I just haven't run into a case where an individual is causing us the problems that I need a solution and I need to bring a 40 point extra named character to do the job. What individual is not getting killed off by, by our hammers that we've been talking about all night. And on top of the, 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 I've been seeing less and less individuals anymore being brought in the game. Everything's being scoring units, that kind of stuff that I'm seeing more and more of where it's yeah. becoming, duelist is becoming a little less needed so answer you mike trap 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 agreed all right well what we're gonna do now i'm gonna take a quick commercial break and on the other side we're gonna get in and, and answer some more questions and talk about list construction we'll be right back this is alex chavez from 2018 kings of war u.s masters you listen to counter charge welcome back to counter charge and next up let's get in and answer some more questions from the audience so chris lynch asks why don't Varanger get more attention alongside Night Stalkers, Ogres, and Forces of Nature as being amongst the strongest factions in Kings of War? Well, I, I'm jumping, and I think the issue is you have small, small details that just tip the scales. Night Stalkers don't ever have to worry about inspiring. That's a small thing, but it can add up when you start talking about the finer edges of, of, of armies. Night Stalkers also have, you know, take your Scarecrows versus your Draugr. Scarecrows are just a little bit better with, with Stealthy. You know, there's there's just a lot of little tiny things that make the differences between meta discussions. At the end of the day, all armies are competitive. I think we all can can agree to that. But it's just sometimes the, the, the scales need to be tipped with a with a small detail. And Varinger maybe just don't have that anymore. Maybe they used to with the extra nerve back in the day, but they're just missing something that makes them, quote, unquote, OP, which all these other armies have. You know, nobody's got anything that's really OP in the barrier. I think part of that is also the fact that they do not have an army-wide special rule. They're not all stealthy. They're not all this. They're not all that. I mean, they just don't have that thing that would maybe push them uh, above. I mean, we have a lot of great units. Uh, we throw a lot of attacks. We're pretty good at what we do but we're very much melee alpha strike punch you in the face focused that there's nothing wrong with that they're they're fun games you're you're very rarely are you going to have a, a, a game uh playing Beringer where you're just like you know i didn't i didn't feel like i was in it i just got wiped off table because you're going to kill stuff the vengers are, are built too good at killing at murdering things to to not kill stuff just not quite that level what do you think billy uh, i think they basically said most of it but i mean it's it's the uh I, I feel like it's there's not a wide variety of like how you can play the army there's one or two ways that's really viable to play it on the competitive side and then where some of these other armies there's multiple different ways you can play them and still be competitive and everything all right the next question i have for you guys how do the army change for clash of kings in this new big red book i know we talked about the lord on the Frostfang. Went from Crush 3 to Crush 2 Thunder 1. What other changes did they make? Or is that it? <laughs> I was going to say, is there anything there, else? Like there wasn't I, too many. I, was, I think um, that might have been it. In the grand scheme of things, with the changes coming through for, you know, Blade Stalker's got a little bit more expensive. Ogres lost the 9 by 9 build. How do you see Varanger stacking up in this new competitive landscape? 
Well, I think the elephant in the room is uh, greater earth or greater air elementals, right? There's no question about that. They're definitely a force to be reckoned with, and you got to be prepared for them. Whether it's bring shooting, whether it's bring some, you know, extra individuals to try to down them, you have to be prepared for it. I think at the end of the day, any any build is viable if you get your your grinding in, you get your practice in. That's just a tougher one than most because we are so excited to get into combat usually with anger that meta is going to be an issue to to address but i think that's probably the challenges you got that force of nature build in the meta is is the, the tough one to to deal with other than magnilled we don't have a, a w- amazing answer for enemy flyers it's always been kind of a uh, an issue for Beringer. dragon hordes used to give me uh, all sorts of problems because They'd come in, they'd kill whatever they killed. I would kill it next turn, but I'm losing, you know, a pretty precisable unit for that Dracon horde coming in. So flyers have always been uh, a little little tough for the Vanguard to deal with. But Magnil does a good job. Uh, you know, she'll go one toe to toe with a Greater Elemental and put it in a box. But it's tough. It is one of the the tougher matchups for us is uh, flyers. At least with the greater air elemental, it is shambling, right? So yep. it can only move the 10. That's At least that's a benefit, right? And I wonder, because you you guys, the way you guys have been talking about builds, and we're going to share some lists, you have a lot of threat range there with a lot of different options. And so them moving it up 10, you know, I, possibly puts them in charge range, right? The, the few games that I played against them uh, before, I haven't played one with the, with the new book yet, but the moving up to being 11, 12 inches out from it to where... You have to rely on a decent surge to get in there has been pretty beneficial to make them move to me and then take their charge. Yeah. Yeah. I think it just is going to require, and we're kind of jumping ahead a little bit here, but it definitely requires some consideration about how you're going to approach it. You know, typically we're talking about move up as far as you can, turn one, then charge turn two. That doesn't work against that army. You need to really pick your fights. You need to be selective about what goes in. You need to make sure you send something in on one horn and send something else on the graders because they want you to, to bounce and then get flanked. So it's something you just got to be mindful of. But I think that's, you know, if we're talking about uh, meta for the upcoming year, that's, I think the one that the Beringer list really needs to be concerned about. Most of the other meta stuff you, you've kind of been, you've gotten used to at this point, you've gotten used to all the shooting and all that stuff. Um, but that, that force of nature uh, or really anybody running greater air elementals is the meta to, to watch out for. Speak to, how important withdrawal is to this army? Because obviously there's some discussion about whether or not withdrawal will be a thing in the future and the way it's implemented now is a minus one to hit. Talk to me about the implications for that because I know Corey likes his 50 millimeter monsters. <laughs> I don't think it's super like necessary. Most of my stuff, I like 50 mil monsters because they fit nicely between two units without spreading them out um, and they can fit into spots. Uh, as opposed to, I'm fine with the change of just being minus one to hit. I think it, it is a necessary added tactic that is is usable. I don't think that it should go away completely. Uh, it makes it a little more static of just, we are standing here and we will fight until somebody's dead. I, I could say running, you know, like triple frostfang and, you know, two trolls and then, you know, maybe some other monsters in there. Not being able to withdraw would be... As evil. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I don't like the no withdrawal at all. 
I understand the concern. It is the number one rule, or historically has been the number one rule for for questions. So I get why it's they're they're trying to address it. The minus one, unfortunately, I just don't think fixes the problem. You know, it's you know that's just another rule to to cause confusion. But I don't want withdrawal to go away. You know. Mike, are you saying the corkscrew is the problem and withdrawal sort of enabling the corkscrew? Right, of In course. certain scenarios, right? Talked about square bases. You don't have to withdraw to do a corkscrew with a square base. Right. There's but, certainly cases where it's not going to be, you know, right. just the um, the withdrawal. But um, I just think losing withdrawal does limit some of the options. Um, and like Corey said, it kind of makes the game a little too static. You go, okay, we're stuck there forever until somebody dies, you know. And I think this army would, would suffer a little bit from that, personally. Well, Michael Hodgman asks, what is the right balance of shooting and melee for Varniger? Who wants to take that one? I personally take more melee. Uh, it's just kind of how I've enjoyed playing the game in general. It doesn't really matter what army I'm playing. I've I've learned playing Varniger more. Just a little bit of shooting is nice to take off the chaff so that my hammers are hitting what I need them to hit. Is that like three and four melee units to one range unit? What's the What's the ratio there? Recently, I've only been taking like two shooting units in general throughout the whole army. Mike and Corey, you guys want to chime in? Yeah, I think I've uh, fell victim most recently to just going. I'm I'm running an all melee army. I, I didn't I didn't want to shoot. I've, I've literally made the army to go. I'm not having a phase to, to shoot. I don't think that's what's best for the for the, for the balance of the army. I'm in a place now where where I feel like you need to bring a little bit. You need to compete in all all phases of the game. Uh, there's no doubt they can compete in the the combat phase. The, the units that we like also compete in the the movement phase. But I do think you need to have something in that shooting phase to be able to have a, an effective army composition. Agreed. I, I Just a little bit of shooting to either soften something up. You know, you hit a chaff unit in and you either lucky pop it or you even better sometimes is you waver that chaff unit in front of your opponent's battle line. That gives you that extra little bit of, of now they're stuck behind there. You can really position well for turn three where you can just drop hammers on them i like having one two you know either like a magnus conclave or even a i know uh, mike thinks they're expensive but even a magus with just the lightning bolt four just something to plink some damage on on something you know uh you're hitting a 15 17 nerve uh i'd rather have my if it's mounted sons one-on-one i'd rather have it sitting on two wounds before i charge in than going in fresh. If I can, you know, if I can only do like eight wounds, all of a sudden I need a seven instead of needing a, a nine, which can be a big deal. Nathan Arnold asks, how do you decide what hammers go in your toolbox? Because it's all hammers. Pick your poison. <laughs> They're all fun, you know. I personally just go with what what you like the most. I mean, I already talked about frost fangs. That's just the most fun to me. Um, if you're just trying to win, probably mounted suns are better. Huskarls, I don't think are quite as good as them. But yeah, I mean, that's the whole point of playing this army is is go pick the stuff you like and have some fun with it. I mean, that's 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 what we're here to do. Yeah. What flavor of murder do you like the best? <laughs> right. I like them all. So. <laughs> You know, you sprinkle it in, you can you can have a nice thing. And because there's so many different options of models and cool-looking stuff, take whatever you, you, you have that makes it look cool and be like, yeah, I'm going to run these as these. Yeah. All right, sounds good. The joy of having, you know, options. 
And just be thankful that you have Draugr to unlock all the fun stuff that you really right. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about what it really is. That's the army in a nutshell. Draugr unlock for 75 points. I get another monster hero. Okay. Yeah. Let's do it. Yep. Let's talk about scenarios. Which ones are the scenarios you like with this army? And which are the ones you're like, ooh, I don't really want this scenario. Really, the scenarios that I, I really liked was uh, that caused people to, to spread out so that my hammers can be pick and choose whatever they want and they have less counterpunch. Allowed me to move around and take care of business. I generally like the ones, uh, you know, your control, your invade, your dominate are, are kind of the most uh, effective ones. The Anything pillage-like where you have the tokens spread out across the board, it can be a little troublesome because then you're having to leave units behind. That's usually more effective when you have a shooting army. But I don't think there's anything terrible because you do have a lot of good token holders in the Draugr and the Trolls. Those are kind of the snares I don't like in general anyways, not just because it's Varinger. You know, they, they do pretty well with a loot or a push as well, um, those token scenarios, because they kind of pick up along the way and keep on moving. But anything where you start spreading yourself out, it tends to be a little bit more problematic, of course, depending on how you have your army composition made up. Similar to what Mike said, invade I love because I want to be murdering you on your side of the table anyway. So invade, dominate. I'm, I like control because... Again, we're fighting on, I want to be on the center of your board. Some of the scenarios, like Mike said, spreading out is not my favorite. But usually I, I try to win those scenarios by killing off as much as I can. And then if I have two pieces left to hold two tokens and you have one, then I still pull it out. But I, I think nothing's terrible for us, in my opinion. And I wonder if that's mostly because you have really fast, good stuff, right? You got speed. You can probably do most of the scenarios. And Mike, you mentioned it, like the ones where you know where the guy's got to be, <laughs> like yep. dominate. It's like, yeah. I want to kill you. And if you're just moving into the target zone, even better. Yeah. I know where you're going to land. I'm... Well, let's talk about terrain with Caterpillar going away. You do have some access to Pathfinder in some of the, in that army. Talk to me about terrain. How much is too much? And how are you using terrain effectively in your games? Yeah, so I'm 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 generally a big fan of terrain. I think we can always all benefit from more dynamic terrain. You know, I appreciate what you know we now have on Dash Twenty Eight, which came from Epic Dwarf. You know, it's it's nice to have consistent maps, but sometimes I think we get a little too consistent. I'd like to see some more you know heavily loaded uh, boards. Uh, Corey mentioned earlier up in the Northeast, they load some things up. I've been to uh, some unplugged GTs where I was, I was just shocked when I saw, I think it was like 12 different uh, size one terrain pieces on one board, but it was a farm. There were fields, you know, um, I, but I think that's fun. And I think it actually plays to the strength of Varinger. Uh, we have access to Pathfinder. We have access to a ton of Strider. We do want to get across the board, so generally terrain helps you get there. Of course, some of it just slows you down, just gets you shot for extra turns. So I'm, you know, I'm always looking for hills as uh, you know my pieces to kind of work towards because they don't impede my uh, ability to move, and I can generally hide behind them with certain units. Not my things, unfortunately, but I think in general, look for those hills. Try to hide behind the, the impassables and the trees to try to protect yourself from the shooting that can rain down on you. But I think we have the benefit of being able to bring a lot of Strider and Pathfinder. It changes a little bit of it with with losing Caterpillar, but otherwise it's, like you said, the ability to get all the Strider and then hills not necessarily blocking your line of view with the Frostfangs. It's, it's somebody else. Your opponent has to be ready for that where you can uh, see over that hill. They can't just move up and hide behind it with everything. Yeah. We play with a lot 
using it to your best advantage. The nice thing about, like, say, Mounted Suns, I'll throw a regiment of Mounted Suns into something even hindered because I'm still crush one. So 18 attacks on fours against a softer target with crush one, I'll take that all day just to get in my, myself into a better position. So we have, and with the, the snow foxes and things to with the built-in Pathfinder and Strider, it's just easy to get across. Using impassable to to anchor a flank is really important for like the my snow trolls can kind of hedge a little bit, park themselves there. So I know they're protected at least one way before they go out and and punch somebody in the face. So um, yeah, terrain more terrain the better. I like terrain. Do we need allies with this army? No. Mike? No. We don't need allies with any army. Man up. Play your army. Yeah, I, I, I like the way you think, Mike. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a no ally guy myself. I've been really, anti allies for like six I, years. I don't, I don't run any allies or nothing. I don't think it's needed. All right. So let's talk about generic strategy when you're playing against certain armies. If playing against an elite army or another Malay army, I think you're in good shape, right? I think you do that well. But I'm wondering, you guys talk to this, you know, how do you deal with the gun lines, the shooting armies, Glade Stalkers, Warranges, whatever? And how do you deal with the Horde armies where you just, there's just so much to kill? So who wants to take tackle those? Yeah, I, I can jump out and say those Horde armies, I absolutely hate seeing. Especially when I'm running my my frost fangs, I'm getting you know these tons of attacks crushed too against your know, defense two zombies. It's, it, it it can be really frustrating, and debilitating. If anything, I think we do generally lack volume of attacks in certain cases. You know, better than most, yeah. But for running all cav, you know, and we get eighteen attacks, it's okay. But you just sometimes have trouble chewing through all those legions of zombies or, or uh, hordes of goblins that uh, present themselves. So those are the ones I I think fear the most. Shooting, you just move up and go. You're going to have to take some shots as you're as you're moving in, and there's there's no surprise there. But Corey's been talking about it. Get across the board, move everything up, and charge as soon as you can. That's all there is to it. Some of the best games I've had against horde armies has been moving up and starting off middle wise, and then shooting out and attacking from the sides to where all the horde armies are tripping over themselves, trying to get to you. <laughs> where it's only one or two units able to get in combat, and you just slowly pick away with what they've got and hope that. They don't spike a roll. Play where you train, surge across, fight as fast as you can. You know, if you punch them in the face, they can't shoot you. Horde, horde armies are are pain. I usually try to concentrate on one side. I go a little refuse flank against the horde, uh, like a like a trash army, and kill as much as I can. Yeah, I just generally feel sad when I'm, I'm using crush two against defense two. <laughs> like wasted, wasted, so, so wasted. Yeah, I get the joys of playing Travis's goblins. I got to feel that way too much. Yeah. Next question for you guys: Any tips you guys have for playing against Varanger? One of the biggest banes that I've had with at least the style list that I play, putting wounds on a little bit of everything. By the end of the game, I just start losing everything. It just it doesn't take much to take it off the board. And it just it just makes it where the long game makes it hard for my army to stick around. Yeah, Varengard has no heal, so every wound is a wound forever. You know, we have a couple a smattering of like you know that bloodbound where mm -hmm. you can pull some stuff up, but that's not that's not keeping a unit alive. So yeah, take any any sort of like it's worth throwing some chaff into stuff to actually instead of just blocking to get in there and charge because any wound is a good wound. And you know, a fifteen seventeen nerve, all you need is an eleven and mm -hmm. and you're just like, Yep, I'll just pick that up. 
Same question to you, Mike. Uh, any tips for playing against Varanger? Yeah, you got, I mean, anything you can shoot, shoot it. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty pretty straightforward. I know these guys already kind of touched on it, too. It's like we we go down at the end of the day. You know, we, we have to engage. We have to push the subject. We're not running these massive hordes of, uh, of infantry like shock troops and stuff that are going to really last all that long. So we really have to pick our fights. If you have a chance to pepper something down, take a charge and then counter it. You know, uh, you're going to get get hurt along the way, but you just have to you have to deal with them head on. Is this army new player friendly? Make a take on this. I mean, my theory is that it, it can be um, because you do have a lot of good units. The problem is as you start to delve into better players, if you're just expecting to move it forward and win, you're not going to, even with some good units. So as long as you're a new player playing another new player, it's going to do well. If you're a new player you're playing against good players, you're not going to do well. <laughs> but if you're a good player playing against good players, it can do well again. So it's an interesting realm to be in because it can be uh, beginner-friendly, especially if you're coming back from you know another game. You have the models, you have some good units, and you're going to win some fights when you're just both running at each other and, and hitting each other in the face. But uh, as soon as an opponent learns to deal with uh, these types of armies, it can be a challenge. So I'd say it's kind of mid-range. I wouldn't say it's easy or hard, um, depending on when you're looking at the time. You know, Same question to you, Billy. I feel it's a little more difficult as being a new player. The better I got with the army, it ma- it came more of knowledge of other armies, um, knowing what I'm going against, knowing what I can take in and kill or else uh, take hits back from and everything. So I would I would agree more of a mid-range player to it'd be difficult for new players to use. Agreed. I think it's like a mid-range, just because you have to know when not to go. It takes a while to to learn that. You're like, I shouldn't always like just charge in. And sometimes it's okay to wait a turn to let things kind of maneuver around, or you don't always have to move. Sometimes you can just stay, have a unit stay, and project threat and alter what your opponent's what your opponent wants to do can be worth more than sometimes charging in. So learning when not to go is just as important as when, uh, learning when to go. Awesome. What points level is Varanger best at? Low points. Varanger crush at low points. Yep. Our troops are better than a lot of other troops. So in like a 900-point uh, game, two regiments of Mounted Sons and uh, Lord on a Frostfang are terrifying. Unstoppable. <laughs> yeah. Well, don't. It, what, one thing is interesting. Don't forget the ambush rules, right? So under nine ninety five, you were maxed at two fifty, right, for the points. Yep. So and yeah, you and can. That, those just those just come in on there perfectly. Yeah. yeah. And under okay. seven and under seven fifty, you're not bringing that stuff because it's two hundred max. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Uh, two hundred is fine too. Uh, well, not amount of suns, but like uh, a other options is 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 in there under two hundred points. Mike, same question. What's the points level that you like to, yeah, you know, lower, they're best at? Lower points, they're going to be better because they have a lot of good, elite, efficient units. The more that's on the board, the more shooting you're going to be facing, and you you just won't have as many advantageous matchups as you do its low point values. But um, I can't say I play a whole lot at anything less than what's competitive, you know, 2,300 right now. So, um, but that's that's the theory, at least. Billy, how about you? Yeah, like like they said, the lower points, it's it's really, really good. I just really enjoy bringing all of the hammers, so the high, the high points is just a lot more fun. 
All right. Well, now we get to the part of the show where it's a lot of fun. We're going to each, you guys are each going to present a list, kind of go over it, walk through the list, talk about why you chose the units you did, kind of little philosophy on list construction, what, why the unit's there, what its purpose is. And uh, let's, Billy, you want to go first? So give us all, and when you start, give us all the details about, you know, how many units and unit strength and, and, you know, drops and points and all that stuff. So we can get a frame going in. Okay. This is the type of list that we're talking about. So my list, I I start off with the I got two regiments of Draugr, um, the Horde of Fallen with Brewer Strength, uh, two mounted Sons of Corgan, uh, one of them with the Jesse's Boots of Striding, the other one doesn't have anything. They both have the upgrade for Stealthy. Uh, three regiments of Snow Foxes, Magnilm, uh, two Lords on Frostfang, one of them with the Pipes of Terror, uh, both have the Snow Fox upgrade, and then the Formation, uh, one of the regiments of uh, horse Raiders with Drunken Ram, and then the uh, Lord that comes in there uh, gave the upgrade for Brutal, so he's got Brutal to himself with the Aura, the Snow Fox upgrade, and then also gave him the uh, Axe of the Giant Slayer, so he's got Slayer D3. Um, overall being 14 total units, 22 unit strength. whole point of it is just fast up in your face, making my opponent have to think turn two, whether I'm going to charge or not. Um projecting a little bit of shooting to take off any kind of chaff that's around, and Draugr, depending upon the scenario, they've got multiple things to do in this army, whether I'm leaving them in a back corner for two points towards control, or going and picking up whatever tokens I need in my vacuums and running away. And then everything else is just hammers that will take anything off that it needs to. And is this a list you've been playing, Billy? Small adjustments to it, but yes, this is basically the list that I've been playing. Is this the list, sort of the list that you took to, to Masters this year? Very close to the master's list. Extremely, there are a few item differences uh, changed for the new book as what I ended up winning Lady of the Lake with. But this is basically that list. So that's a good point. You are a winner with this list. And yep. you did finish, I think, top 20 at master's as well. So Varger is a very competitive army for those out there. But I think it's a, an army that has a learning curve and you got to learn how to play it. Yep. Anything else you want to mention about your list? Pretty pretty straightforward. I like to joke around saying that it's uh, the best drunk list I can run because uh, everything's speed 8. Everything's got 18 attacks. It's all 15, 17. There's not many numbers I have to remember. To, uh, I can play it drunk. I can play it sober. Well, let's go <laughs> over to Corey. What do you got for us, sir? Uh, my list is actually uh, what I'm gonna, planning on taking uh, to Dead of Winter, which is the last weekend in January uh, up here in Albany, New York. Point-wise, it's 2150. And we, uh, because it's the second annual uh, Dead of Winter, uh, we have a rule of two. So you're only allowed two unit entries per size. So you can take two regiments of Draugr, and then you could take two hordes of Draugr, but you can't take three. So the list is a regiment of Draugr, a regiment of Huskarls with a Brew of Haste, a regiment of Fallen, a horde of Fallen with Pipes of Terror, a horde of snow trolls with Chalice of Wrath, a, uh, two uh, regiments of Mounted Suns, uh, both with uh, Stealthy, a uh, regiment of snow foxes, a Magnus Conclave with Famulus, a Cavern Dweller, uh, Lord on a Frostfang with the snow fox, and then a snow troll prime with the Stang Stone. Comes in at 12 drops with 23 unit strength. Nice smattering of kind of everything. Gives me uh, a lot of options to. I can use the Huskarls and the and the um, Snow Trolls as a bit as, as a uh, like home base, little like um, anvil center, and then my faster stuff can uh, run out and punch things in, in the face. 
and then I get a second wave with the Hoos Carls and the the Snow Trolls. It plays pretty well. Uh, I I've run a number of very similar lists to this. So, and at twenty one fifty, I don't have room for everything that I want. So I just kind of had to uh, make some make some drops. Awesome. Is it similar to a list you've played in the past? Yes. Um, I know yes. you ran ogres at this past Masters. Yes. But you've been playing yes. a lot of Arger. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I took something very similar to uh, down to Philly for uh, pilgrimage. The, 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 the Battle Pilgrims yep. event? Yeah, okay. Yep. Great. All right. Well, last but not least, we got Mike. You know, uh, Mike tells me all the time what a great list builder he is. I'm excited <laughs> to hear. I mean, Mike, you are. No, I'm just has been has been important according to you guys. I've, I've heard you are one of the greatest list builders on the East Coast. Sure. Give me give me whatever credit you want to give me. Varinger lists here, 2,300, uh, 16 drops, 22 unit strength. Uh, it's kind of a, a newer take on what I ran at the last tournament that gives me that little bit of shooting that I uh, was missing the last time around. So I'm uh, still packing very similar to what it was with a few tweaks. But I've got two regiments of Draugr, Horde of Draugr, in case you all don't know what the theme is between our three armies. It's Draugr, a horde of trolls with the Dwarven Ale. I have two regiments of Mounted Sons. In this uh, rendition, I do still go with the Stealthy, and then one with the Helmet Drunken Ram, one with the Boots of Striding, two regiments of Snow Foxes, I would never leave home without them, and then I'm running three Magus Conclaves with Femulus for that shooting uh, impact. Magnild, never leave home without her, and I've still got two Lords on Frocks Fang with Snow Foxes, one Stain Stone, and then two Snow Troll Primes as well. So lots of drops, gets me 16, allows me to drop those... Magus Conclaves where I need them and try to sneak one of those Frost Fangs down the flank if possible. Um, it's very tight on unlocks for those who didn't notice. I think I have uh, eight characters in there, five, six characters, I'm sorry, and three uh, War Engines as well. So everything's basically an unlock uh, to bring all those those good, fun little things. Um, but competes in all phases at this point, plenty of uh a uh, Draugr to get tokens across the board and have scoring uh, unit strength and all that fun stuff. But um, yeah, there it is. The best list on the East Coast, you know. It's not the list, it's the pilot, right? Yep, and that's the problem. Guys, huge thanks for coming on and spending a few hours with me chatting about Varanger. I think I've learned a lot. Corey, final thoughts? They're a super fun army to play. You get a bunch of cool looking models and a bunch of cool monsters and you can run around and punch people in the face. I can have games where I don't think a whole bunch and be like, you know what? Um, I don't really care. Here it is. And I can toss dice and drink beers and still still make it work. And it's it's nice sometimes to have those those types of games. And and you get to be evil. I don't like <laughs> good armies or eh. so, you know, like I said, I'm doing salamanders now, so I don't have to change that. But evil is evil's where it's at. Kind of piggybacking off of that. I, I enjoy my alcohol just like most of the mountain region here. Uh, it's a lot of fun just taking all the hammers. You can do anything you want with it. It's all fun to punch people in the face. And, and rolling bucket loads of dice. Yeah, that's true. And I think that it's that in a nutshell. It's a fun army. That That's really what it comes down to. It's a lot of fun. I, you know, Some people might know I'm historically an elf player, and it's it's so stressful playing elves. I was always so t- tired and worn out and mentally exhausted every game playing elves. And playing Varinger, it's, just, it's fun to just go... Let's have some fun. Attack, you know, there's there's no secrets, no surprises. It's just a lot of fun. That's really what it comes down to for me is a change of pace away from that elf background of mine. 
Well, awesome, guys. Uh, thanks again for coming on and chatting about Varniger. And hopefully you'll circle back. And, uh, you know, Mike, if you are able to get out of the house more and you are able to make a Masters team, maybe we'll see <laughs> Varniger at the U.S. Masters in Omaha from you next year. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Well, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Is What do you guys want to take us out? Always keep countercharging and charging, for that matter. That's how you play Varniger. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time on Countercharge. Please let us know what you thought of the show by emailing us at counterchargepodcast at gmail.com, on Twitter at countercharge15, or by commenting on the Countercharge Kings of War podcast Facebook group. If you enjoy the show, you can help others find out about it by leaving positive reviews on iTunes. Until next time, keep countercharging. Music is a composition of Kevin McLeod and is licensed under Creative Commons.